Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Soundboard. Yes, you thought we were dead. You thought we had been left in a ditch somewhere to die, and we were, but we got better. Uh, so, yeah, and we've been, we've been gone for a while, mostly my fault, so I'll, I'll throw myself heroically on that grenade, which I earned. Uh, so, yes, joining me in the, uh, the satellite of love, so to speak, for The Soundboard, uh, we have, of course, uh, Professor Tuffley is here with us. Hi, Professor Tuffley. See, I thought the absence had something to do with a teleporter in Australia and not being able to be seen by detection devices. <laughs> I didn't, I thought that, I thought that was it. I thought that was what we were going with. I will never get sick of references to that horrible era of the X-Men. Really. You're welcome. Thank you. That was very perilous of you. Uh, and of course, uh, along for the ride, and in fact, working the tail gunner is uh, is Doctor Rob. Hi, Rob. Hello. Hello. Uh, so so yes, here we are, <clears throat> put together once more. Our powers combined. Uh, so since we've been gone for a little while, first things first, what what is new stuff that you guys have been listening to that you have found that warms the subcockle regions of your heart? You want to go first, Rob? Sure. Go. Go Whenever you're ready, Rob. Oh, I said, sure. And then, oh, I didn't hear him say, go ahead. That's okay. I'm sorry. That's yeah. all right. No, my, said, my... sure, in unison. That threw everyone off. <laughs> oh, well, that's okay. That's you know, because everyone fun. realizes that we always do everything together. So, um, yeah. Um, a couple drift things I'm excited. I'm sorry? We're drift compatible. Yeah. <laughs> God. Um... So, which I'm assuming you want recent, recent, not like recent since the beginning of the year, correct? Oh yeah, recent. Well, re- since since we last. Uh, okay, that's what, well, we that's what I went for. Yeah, yeah. So sure. I figure we can we can talk about afterwards. I want to ask what what everybody's favorites so far this year are. Yeah. Just get a few of them. But yeah. So recent, recent. What do you got? Well, obviously, I think we're all going to agree on this because it wasn't actually out yet at the time that we met last time. But the new Daft Punk record, uh, perhaps you've heard of it. It's everywhere. Yes. Um. I can't stop listening to it. You know, by norm, by normal, normally by this time I'm tired of a record, but you know, I have to say it's pretty damn catchy. So if you don't have, uh, the new Daft Punk record, what's wrong with you? Um, also I got an advance, uh, from the new Franz Ferdinand, uh, right thoughts, right words, right action. And it's much more of a complete album than they've done. The last couple have been, Kind of hit and miss, where they've had a couple nice tracks and then things kind of get wonky. But this one's pretty pretty solid, which I think they needed to do as a band. So I really like that. Um, also from Scotland, uh, like our new Doctor Who, uh, is the new Camera Obscura record, uh, Desire Line. So if you're a fan of, you know, um, sort of really good female-driven pop, uh, I recommend Camera Obscura. They're really great. Uh, I'm also a champion of this really fun sort of... Uh, West Coast band called Bleached, who are getting ready to tour with Best Coast, and uh, they have an album out now called Rise Your Heart. Sort of like uh, if the Ravenettes and uh, Best Coast got into a fight and had a kid, that's what it would sound like. <laughs> really sort of like, um, it's got the wall of, sound, wall of sound stuff, it's got the Beach Boy kind of sound to it, but it's, it's nice, and um, it's a really good record. Um, I don't know if we discussed the Billy Bragg record last time we met, so um, we had not. So. Okay, I don't uh, think Billy. It's out yet. Yeah, it's called Tooth and Nail. It's a new Billy yeah. Bragg record. He's toured the states, and I was coming back and touring again. 
And um, it's an interesting departure for him. One, he got smart and grew a beard, and he looks like a totally different um, person with the beard. But the record's very mature. It's less preachy and more relationship-driven. Um, you, you can very much feel the experiences of Mermaid Avenue, the albums that he made with Wilco, sort of seeping into that, the Woody Guthrie tribute albums, because it's very, very guitar-driven, um, acoustic guitar-driven, and very sort of, I hate to use the word Americana, but it's kind of the, the twang that he's going for. But it's very much an album about relationships and people and how they interact. And it's not as much of the, the loggerheads, you know, the, the the old punk fighting the system. And believe me, he's still the old punk fighting the system, but he's made these albums that are just really, um, he's made these songs on the album that are very sort of, um, they tell stories and there's everyday things. There's one in there called The Handyman, which is sort of like, this guy tells his tells his, his girlfriend or wife or partner or whatever, look, I'm great, but I'm not a handyman. I'm really sorry. You know, <laughs> which which is you know every guy sort of tells their their partner, look, I can't fix this. Sorry, I'm not a handyman. You know, so he's kind of starting to write about everyday things in a very matured sort of way, and it's, it's very interesting to see uh, him come out of his shell and do that. Um, also, uh, Bleeding Rainbow uh, with yeah, right, sort of that uh, noisy, dirgy kind of rock thing that's going on. And then I'm going to completely switch gears and recommend classics. Uh, Hanging Garden classics are sort of this like disco-y, thumpy kind of album. Uh, very fun and very silly and, and, and great. And I think last time we met, we discussed The National and, and uh, uh, already. But I do want to mention that. I think that was on the cusp of coming out and Tuffy and I were very excited. Um, I love, love, love this band from England called Savages. Uh, their album's called Silence Yourself. Yes. Finally, there's an all-girl female band that's pissed off and mad. And just imagine a cross between Pussy Riot and the Go-Go's with a no-bullshit sort of attitude and just really driving guitars. So um, I like that quite a lot. Yeah, it's good. On the flip side, I do like this band called Boy. Uh, there's two of them, and they make these very mature uh, melodic songs that are very nice. Some, sometimes it sounds like Mansi Star a little bit. Sometimes it doesn't, but it's very harmonious and very pretty. Uh, I like that. And Eleanor Friedberger has a new record, and I think she's great. She's uh, one of the two members of the Fiery Furnaces. She's from uh, Illinois, so she has this sort of Midwest sort of thing going on. But the record has a very – it's called um, Personal Record, and it has a sort of um, – you know, if I say, oh, it's a female – female singer record there's a certain well fair enough there's a certain image that comes into your head and this sort of defies that because it's not a it's not a whiny you know i'm miserable record but it's very much an uh a pop album sort of it's more of like, liz fair than joni joni mitchell it's more like first liz fair album yeah Ooh, that's what i was talking about, yeah. yeah hello yeah and uh, she has a very good knack. She has a, a very good knack for twisting words and songs and writing details and feelings. And it's it's quite good. And um, so I do recommend that. And finally, I'm going to throw a complete wrench into it because um, this it, it was weird. I did not. I, I heard this was coming out. I was kind of mildly amusedly interested because I wasn't sure what to expect. It entered the UK charts at number three, which is a pretty big deal for an older band. But there's a new Pet Shop Boys record called Electric, and they've left their label, and they put out the record themselves. And they they are one of the casualties of this whole EMI 
capital thing. They just got fed up with um, Parlophone, which is part of the EMI capital mess, and went out and did their own label thing. They got Stuart Price from uh, Le Rhythme Digitales to produce it, and it's almost like they've completely reinvented themselves. It's kind of like the uh, the geezer form of Daft Punk almost uh, huh. for this record. And it's it's interesting because they've managed to sort of come out of nowhere and have a number three record. And in Eng- in England, they're far more of an estab- a revered establishment than they are sort of here. Uh, here, they're kind of an afterthought. But over there, they're sort of like, you know, the stately elders of pop, sort of. But the album is really um, uh, just a lot of beats. I mean, it's really, really uh, beat-driven. And you still have a lot of stuff on there. Plus, they score points for the um, new single they have, which is called Love is a Bourgeois Construct, which... What a really, great name. It's a great name for a pop record. You know, I saw that and I'm like, okay, all right, you've got me. I'm going to listen to it. And you know what? It's actually pretty great. So that is the super condensed form of albums I'm going to mention until Tuffley brings up a whole bunch and makes me go, oh, yeah, I forgot that. Huh. All right, Tuffley, your your work is cut out for you. Yeah, and I don't have that many. But um... <laughs> Sorry, I, I thought you have a lot. So I made a well, long list thinking yeah. that I'd have to cut like seven. I apologize. No, that's fine. Um, I will start with the uh, the two of the one-two punch of late May, which was uh, Queens of the Stone Age, like Clockwork. Mm, yeah. uh, that album really kicks very hard, and I enjoyed it very much. So I'll, uh, I'll throw that one on the list. Um, I'll also add uh, Disclosure's record. I think the EP was out before we talked, but uh, the Disclosure record uh, that came out, uh, that had uh, Aluna George and Jesse Ware on it, uh, which is very nice as well. Very nice, uh, sort of, sort of a nice house refresher. I think it's a bit more house than 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 uh, than uh, a lot of the dance stuff lately. So uh, I can go with that. Um, and uh, let's see, I was going to go with uh, Beck is releasing offhanded singles. There may be an album in the fall, apparently, is what I'm hearing, but uh, I know one of the uh, singles making the making the routes is uh, something called Defriended, which uh, I thought was really, really cool. Um, it's not Beck rapping. It's almost barely, you can almost barely detect him singing on it, but... Uh, <laughs> but, but, it's, uh, but I thought it was a really cool, uh, nice little playing with electrics sort of a track, but there may or may not be a record coming from uh, Beck in the fall. This is apparently, this could be the one that's supposedly been in the works for like three years, but okay. Yeah, because we uh, always hear there's a Beck record, and then yeah, he just sort yeah. of... He scrapped like three records, apparently. Uh, so he has completely scrapped three records, so this may be one of those things where you just build together separate elements of all the stuff you've scrapped or whatever. Because he did that songbook thing. He did that yeah. thing where he issued a songbook without an album, and then he basically he said that was the album, and that people other people he wanted other people to play it, and that was the album. But apparently, there is actually an album coming, so uh, I'm looking forward to that because uh, Defended was weird enough to let me go. All right, all right, we're ready to go. Um, Janelle yeah, Monae's got a record. I'm sorry. I was going to say you never really know anymore what to expect with a Beck record. I mean, absolutely, I, feel- I love it. I, I like it too, but I feel so bad because I'm like, okay, I like, like if I go through Beck records, it's kind of like, oh, I like this one. I don't like this one. I like this one. I like, and you almost feel bad, like, because, you know, normally with an artist, you tend to like most of their material. Like I, 
Yeah. There's not a Floyd record I don't like. But Beck, I'm like, okay, I don't like this Beck. I like this Beck, which is interesting. But at the same time, I feel horribly disloyal when I listen to it. Well, I love but, the cover series, though. I love the cover series. That was fantastic. Yeah. Well, what I liked about Beck was what you for the longest time it seemed to me what you could expect is that he would alternate. He would do his sort of more radio friendly, sane record. And then he would turn around and do his, what the fuck was that record? You know what I mean? Yeah. So you'd yeah. have like, uh, Odelay and then you'd have like, um. Sea change. Yeah, sea change or mutations. Uh, yeah. which, and, and it was always the what the fuck record that you would find out like six months later came out. It's like, yeah. Wait, another, what? <laughs> so, but anyway. So me, back to me. Yeah. Um, let's see. I was, uh, what was the other one that I was going to talk about? Yeah, Janelle Monet, uh, The Electric Lady. It is due out sometime in September. We have been blessed with two tracks over the summer. Uh, Dance Apocalyptic and Queen, uh, which were both pretty, pretty kicking, so I enjoyed that. And I'm looking forward to the record. I'm looking forward to seeing her, uh, you know, get on, like she did with David Letterman, where she did that um, uh, kick-ass live performance. I really want to see Dance Apocalyptic live. On some yes. talk show. And really, anytime you know Monet punches zombies, yeah. I'm good with that. There's nothing wrong with that. I've heard an interesting rumor about her, but we'll, we'll see if it happens. What is it? She a cyborg? No, 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 no. I, I've heard that one of the people when she tours, may, that there, there might be dates with the roots. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Speaking of which, oh. speaking of which, oh. uh-huh. yeah. speaking of which, uh, the, uh, the roots Elvis Costello record is impending. What? Uh, yes. Uh, I was gonna bring that up later, but yes, the uh, nine... it's a real true thing. It's happening. Nine seventeen is the date. It's a real true thing. It's happening, and and there's another regular Roots record coming up after this. Hmm. Interesting. This this puts me in a conundrum now. Thank you. So uh, it's possible you could get Elvis Costello, The Roots, and Janelle Monae on the same door. Ooh. Okay. That's lovely. That's scary. Lovely. Um, there was, uh, the other thing that I was going to mention, uh, was churches. And I think their EP yeah. came out. See? Their EP came out, uh, over the summer. And, right. uh, they've got a full link coming out in September. Uh, the single that's from that's called The Mothers We Share, which yeah. is really awesome electro stuff. Yes. That's good. Um, and, uh, the other thing I was going to mention is Washed Out has a new record coming out. Um, oh my God. Yes. And, and it's really, really, really good. Yeah. So, uh, I, I cannot pronounce for the life of me pronounce the name of it, but I will just say the new Washed Out record. <laughs> but I can't pronounce the name of it. It's P-U-R, it's Porcum? Porcum? I'm not sure how to say that, yeah. but it's the new Washed Out record. Go get it. And the artwork, I mean, the artwork on it's great too. The first thing yeah. I noticed when I, when it came is like, oh, they actually paid attention to packaging because yeah, the last one was kind of like, anyway, this, this is the packaging, and this one is like really, really. They spent some time thinking about the packaging on it. So, so and, yeah. and and uh, I know you mentioned churches, but uh, they are touring with Depeche Mode. They are open. They, the, oh, yeah. For a band this early in the game, to get the opening slot on a Depeche Mode tour is a pretty big deal. Yes, and uh, Eleanor Friedberger, I forgot to mention, she is going to be opening for Colin Malloy's uh, solo tour. Oh, wow. Over uh, over the fall. So uh, Colin Malloy's summer tour uh, is going to be good. And also, 
Uh, I forgot to mention the Frightened Rabbit record uh, because they're opening for the National uh, when they come when they come around in the fall. Uh, so that the Frightened Rabbit record was really good too. Okay, cool. Uh, and I would just like to say I'd like to put this out in the E-trick somewhere. Is that what I think would be really great? Is if Elvis Costello and and the uh, and the Roots uh, perform live, cover some Elvis Costello. I want you to cover something from the Juliet Letters, but with the Roots instead of a string quartet. How amazing would that be? Any track, any track, even even the Tom Waits cover you did more than Rain. I don't care. Just I want to hear that madness happen. You may want to check the Fallon archives. Really. I I know they did a bunch of stuff. Oh, okay. Uh, I know he did a bunch of web extras for the Fallon show, okay. so uh, check I, the Fallon archives. I, but I will, I'm not absolutely sure about that. I will check that because I love the shit out of that album. So and also and also keep in mind the Roots are going to be the house band for the Tonight Show. Yeah. <laughs> so there may be a return. In, uh, there may be quite a few return engagements. Nice. So Wiz, you're saying I should listen to the Juliet Letters? You you haven't? No. Oh wow. I I dig the hell out of it because you know how I am about strings, right? Yeah. So you put you put Elvis Costello, who with me is sort of hit and miss, but you put him with the Brodsky Quartet, and it's like, Ooh. oh yeah, that's that's the whole album. It's just an album they did together, and the entire thing is a series of letters that Costello is singing with them backing him up, and that's basically the band is a string quartet. Because I'm very hit and miss with Elvis Costello. Yeah, me too. But but Juliet Letters is like my absolute favorite. Love the absolute shit out of that album. So, huh. definitely check it out. But, uh, but yeah, uh, okay, so, so, okay, cool, Tuffley, you, you sort of, as, as we are wont to do, you've melded into what's coming, so I'll sort of do the same. I, yeah. Uh, I have, uh, I, I, again, the national, I, I sort of dig, uh, I, I, I dig the sort of miserable vibe of that album. I don't know why, um, but it, it, it speaks to me. Probably in ways that my therapist would not appreciate. The uh, National don't do shiny happy. No, 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 I know, but, yeah. but yeah, yeah, but this record is progressively a little more miserable than the one before. I know, but I really, I really dig that. Um, I, uh, uh, I have not completely gone through both the albums, but I do like a certain, I, I've got a bunch of tracks where I'm like, okay, now I've got to go back and listen to the rest of this. I, uh, I, I do, I, I like Heaven off of Jay-Z, uh, Magna Carta Holy Grail. I think that's cool. Um, I, I really dig the hell out of Black Skinhead by Kanye, which is sort of to me like the evil cousin of, um, that marching band song that Outkast did from the Autowild soundtrack. I forget what it's called, but yeah. it's got that same sort of marching band feel, but like in hell. I kind of dig it. Um, I don't understand the whole deal about the interactive music video though, because it's like, so I get to slow the entire thing down. You know I have websites I can do that with if I really want to, right? But anyway, um, so I, I I dig that. Uh, uh, as far as other stuff goes, again, things that I need to go back and listen to more of. Oh, although I did finally check out uh, Vampire Weekend, uh, Modern Vampires of City. I I I I dig the vast majority of it. Uh, I like it a lot. Um, other things that I have uh, I have found that I know I need to check out. Uh, or, uh, a guy from, I believe he's from Australia called Andy Bull. Um, he's got a, a single out called, uh, uh, Baby I'm Nobody Now, which is just, again, I really like songs that when you first listen to them, they sound, like, like the national, where it's just everything sounds like his dogs just died. I'm talking about a song that sounds like zippity doo dah, 
but once you listen to it, the dogs just died. For some reason, that appeals to me in a sick sort of way. So that that works for me somehow. Um, I also I, I found a uh, a band called Cloud Cult, and they've got a track called uh, Good Friend, which is happy, but it doesn't annoy me, so I'm okay with that. Um, and uh, and there's also another uh, uh, band I ran across called uh, Brooke Wagoner, and they've got a uh, a track called Rumble, which is very cool. Um, so there's a, there's a bunch of stuff where I I just sort of get a smattering of things, and then I go back in and fill in the gaps. Um, as far as stuff that is coming, uh, I know that I understand the Medicine album is due out this week, which I'm dying to hear. Uh, yeah, that's been moved a couple of times. That was originally supposed to be out in June. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm really I'm really looking forward to that, and I'm sort of like because I like the old Medicine, but I realize I'm probably one of the few people on the planet that that dug the last one, the one off. Uh, yeah. What what was it? The I forget what it's called, but it's the one that he did with with basically Bruce Lee's daughter as the vocalist. Yeah. I dug the shit out of that album, so I'm like, I don't. I'm sort of like, if there was some way of doing a little bit of both, I would be the happiest man alive. Um, so there's that. Uh, also, and uh, apparently this this may be already out. The Glenn Campbell slash tribute album. Yes. How is that, Rob? I haven't heard it yet. I haven't heard all of it yet, but it's pretty great. Okay. And then there's also, I think there's another Glenn Campbell record where he re does all of his old ones, huh. all of his old songs, sort of new. But yeah, the Glenn Campbell tribute record is great. The problem with the Glenn, tri- Glenn Campbell tribute record is you listen to it and you just really, eventually you realize what a fucking bummer it is yeah. um, about Glenn Campbell. So, but no, I, all the people that are on it do a pretty good, fair reinterpretation of his songs. Mm. And a lot of the times you get these tribute records and you're like, uh, what is this? What is this? And this one's pretty well put together. So okay, cool. Yeah. Um, and you know we're finally getting the uh, the other end of the uh, the Peter Gabriel thing. Oh yeah, that's gonna be nice. Oh, the, right. the thing where Peter Gabriel covered everybody's songs, and some of those people are still doing the thing where they return the favor. Interesting. Okay. Except for Radiohead. Radiohead's not on it, but there's a bunch of people. It looks like oh every, yeah, everybody's on it. RK Fire eventually did end up doing a track, which is going to be interesting. Hmm. Well, that's cool. And they have a record coming out that uh, James Murphy from LCD produced. So and he's on it. And he's on it, yeah. Yeah. Um, but as far as other stuff that's coming out, September looks insane. Because uh, you've got Nine Inch Nails on the third. Ooh, yes. Which, which based on their Lollapalooza set, which we'll Ooh, talk yes. about in a second. Oh, that was nice. Um, Ooh, yes. Um, uh, Arctic Monkeys on the tenth, and the singles I've heard from that so far make me happy. Yeah. Um, oh, and 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 and, and the uh, the Glastonbury set was great. I've not watched that yet, but I I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, also, uh, the 1975. I like their oh, EP yeah. that they've had out. Um, yep. They've got Sorry. a full length coming out. No, Rob, and they're awesome. Uh, they got an album coming out on the tenth. Uh, Placebo on the seventeenth is what I'm reading. Um. Naked and Famous' new album on the 17th. Yeah. Also yeah. very good. Yes. And, uh, yeah. and, and, uh, yeah. Well, that's it. You had mentioned the Elvis Costello Root. So that's, that's what I've been listening to melding into, because, you know, it seems like you'll get the singles, which meld into the, yeah. uh, the album eventually. And, and, yeah. And I don't have, damn it, I don't have it in front of me, but somebody cool produced that Naked and Famous record, which is kind of interesting. I'm trying to remember who the hell it is now. But, um, because they sent me like a sampler thing for it. Oh, but, nice. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who's producing that. But 
well, what was it? The um, uh, I was trying to look it up real quick. They sort of had an album. At least it appeared. Oh yes, the um, the stuff that they came out with post passively aggressive you, yeah. uh, no light in this machine. I I didn't quite like as much as passively aggressive yeah. you. But then again, passively aggressive you is so fucking good that it's sort of unfair. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I'm kind of I'm looking forward to the next full length to go. Yes, please kick my ass. And I think what they were saying was passively aggressive you was like two years back. Yeah, 2011. Yeah. Yeah. From when it actually, you know, hit, so. Yeah, when did that? See, I can never tell when things hit anymore, because between yeah, you guys and... Well, it hit late 2010, yeah. but okay. it really broke, I yeah. think. Okay. Late 2010, but it really broke around 2011, because that record took a little bit of time to get its legs. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and I know we'll talk about this a little bit later, but they were a band that definitely benefited from product placement, merchandising, getting on soundtracks and right. things. Because once that happened, then it really started to take off. Oh yeah, Cabin in the Woods by itself, I think. Yeah. So, uh, alright, so what, so what, um, so far, since we're at least past the first half of 2013, what, what are you guys' favorites thus far? Beyond, <laughs> yeah, no, just throw out a couple. Throw out, you know, I'm not talking for like a top 20, but. No, I had to do this for the radio station. It was really annoying, and I hate <laughs> making lists. Um, <laughs> I really, really love still the Veronica Falls record. Uh, waiting for something to happen. It's the best sounding Lush record I've heard in 10 years. Um, cause it sounds like Lush. Yeah, and it, and no, it's I'm great. And, uh, I actually like the Pity Sex record a lot, which I didn't mention before, but, um, and I, I like this, this other band, uh, I not the whole album's up. It's really good. Gypsy and the Cat, who are Australian. And, um, it's the closest thing to, sort of head-of-the-door era cure that I've heard a band sound like huh. before. So I really like that record. Uh, I like the Franz Ferdinand a lot. Uh, I'm optimistic about the Naked and the Famous based on what our Naked and Famous based on what I've heard. Um, so far, though, it's uh, the National, Palm Violet, Savages. Um, I do still like the Johnny Marr record. I know... Um, uh, see what I'm doing here, Witch? I'm setting, setting the table. Um, the Johnny Marr record I like a lot. And, uh, I think, but I think that Veronica Falls record is, is one of my favorites, um, so far that in the national. Cool. All right. All right. Tuffley, what, what say you? Okay. So, uh, yeah, Veronica Falls national, uh, Daft Punk and Queens of the Stone Age. Um, I really liked, um, oh, what was that? Um, you like the Bowie record. Sounds like yeah, the Bowie record. Yeah, three syllables. Sounds like yeah, uh, Bowie's the next day. I liked right. very much. Um, and uh, let's see. I also uh, I also liked. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I I also liked the. Uh, what was it? I was I was looking for the thing that I was it fell off. Well, you should see oh a doctor. My. I had a list. Oh, okay. <laughs> I had a list, and it blew away. Um, uh, the Brian Ferry Orchestra record I like, too. Which which orchestra? The the Brian Ferry Orchestra thing, where oh, he's... Oh, Brian uh, Ferry, okay. Yeah. Where he redid the, uh, the, the swing jazz stuff. Yeah. Where he did the Roxy and solo stuff as swing jazz stuff. Yeah, I really like that. Well, cool. he's got a voice to pull it off, too. 
actually on the on the uh on the Brian Ferry Orchestra record there is, there are no vocals on that, but he redid all he did the arrangements really? for the band. Yes. Oh very cool. uh, he does do vocals on one track because the Brian Ferry Orchestra shows up on the Great Gatsby soundtrack. Yeah, that's that's the thing I've heard. So yeah. Yeah. So he does vocals with that and then I believe I'm not sure who does the Beyonce song that they that they, they do Crazy in Love, I think? Yeah. On uh, the Gatsby soundtrack, but uh, Yeah, I don't remember. That I that as well. I think it's Oh, it's a it's a it's 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 a talent show contestant. Um I think. So But um I also like the XX record, which uh coexists. I thought that was really good too. Yeah, that's good. That is all good. Uh so toughly, is that Oh, is... I found the one that oh. was I was gonna mention. Oh. Uh Mikhail Cronin's M C two. Okay. That that kind of snuck up on me. Uh that's really good. I love that. Cool. Um, that was the one. Well, uh, the only All apologies. The only oh no no, I, and that's a good song too. Uh, I would uh, I would only add to all the stuff that's been mentioned. I like uh, Laura Stevenson's Wheel album, which is really good. Uh, and probably my favorite thus far this year is still uh, Woodkid, uh, Golden Age, which is just sort of big and huge, and I dig it. Um. And, I mean, it took forever to come out. I mean, the first single was two years ago, but it makes sense. And I would, that, that's one of the few, as he's one of the few people that based on what I've seen of him live, I would go see live. I would actually make a point to go see him live. <laughs> so, but anyway, so yeah, so there you go. There is, there is catching up with music for the soundboard. But it has been an amazing year. I mean, just trying it's to good. sit down no. and come up with a list of stuff. I mean, I left off a lot of stuff, and I think Tuffley probably did too. Yeah, there's stuff I forgot, stuff. obviously. Yeah, I mean it's it's been a remarkably solid year, more so than you know, in, in years past, I think. Probably, probably to be continued at the Britpop cast. Because <laughs> we'll think of all this stuff. Oh yeah, that we forgot to mention that. Yeah, I'm already making a list. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Gun Dragon Con will fill in the list. Really, seriously. All right. Well, as always, uh, we do have a um, uh, a couple of uh, people that we've lost. Um, first of all, Slim Whitman. Uh, that was back in June, but again, we've been away, uh, so we haven't really had a chance to uh, to talk about it. Um, and uh, died at the age of ninety. So he's been around for a, bit, uh, a while. Who, who would like to to speak to us about Slim Whitman? Okay, I guess I will. Go, Rob. <laughs> um, well, at least for me, growing up, Slim Whitman was kind of always, you know, I, I I grew up as you know, weird indie rock punk kid, and you'd always see the ads on TV for the Ronco Slim Whitman collection or whatever when they sold the records and tapes on the uh, TV. And Slim Whitman seemed like they were always selling some Slim Whitman record. So I always sort of had these preconceptions of Slim Whitman sort of as this, like, caricature or something strange. Like, does this guy ever sell any records? Because they're always selling this stuff on TV. What's going on, right? And he's most widely known to everyone now through the film Mars Attacks, um, uh, which, you know, the fact that he signed off to let them do that and make fun of him is, is actually pretty cool. But Slim Whitman again is in that old vanguard of great country musicians that are that are slowly going away. As you said, he was ninety. 
Um, he sold over 120 million records, which, you know, now is nothing. But when you think about, you know, he toured with Elvis. Elvis personally picked him to tour with him. And that particular era that he was in, um, the longevity of that career, selling 120 million records is, is actually kind of a big deal. And he had this unique singing style that was kind of a cross between sort of traditional country and Western and yodeling. He just had a voice that could get very high. So a lot of his stuff sort of bordered on, on yodeling. And, you know, people either loved it or they didn't. But the people that loved him, loved him. And he has this huge sort of um, cult following. Now, what's interesting about Slim Whitman is in America, he's kind of like, you know, you would think he sold 120 million records. He toured with Elvis, um, yada, yada. You'd think that he'd be a household name. But again, as often happens in the weird world of pop music, he is massively huge in Europe, particularly in the Netherlands and in England. Uh, he had a song on the British charts for 30, I think, 36 weeks, uh, which was the record until Brian Adams broke it. Um, and just a, an interesting sort of artist in that, you know, he's sort of always under the radar of, of mainstream music, but somebody who sold a lot of records on a consistent basis and toured a lot. So, yeah, he did the state far, the state fair circuit. Yeah, he was, you know, probably one of those people you saw on pretty much either the Glenn Campbell show, the Johnny Cash show, show um, all those type of shows. He was pretty much a fixture on kind of, um, you know. While everybody's out doing their thing on the larger stages, he's just there plugging away, being rock solid. That's kind of Slim Whitman. So, um, kind of sad, you know, but kind of a, an interesting sort of figure in, in not just music, but in popular culture as well. Yeah. So, 120 million. That's, you, you could almost buy a chicken franchise with that. It's, it's also important to note that he is the, he is the voice that dusted the, uh, the aliens in Mars Attacks. Yeah. Which is very important. It's a very important thing to be able to be the solution to your alien invasions. And the fact that he signed off on that. I mean, a lot of people yeah. from his generation probably wouldn't have taken that as, uh, probably would have taken that as an insult, you know. Um, but, yeah, and it was funny because after Mars Attacks, everybody was like, who's Flynn Whitman, you know. Exactly. You always remember the thing that wipes out the Martians. Yes. 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 Uh, and we also lost, uh, songwriter J.J. Kale, um, who, I, I don't know, I would say best known for writing After Midnight and, what was A it? A lot of those 70s Clapton hits. Yeah. Or at least co-wrote them, had a part, had a huge part in writing them. Uh, oh, Cocaine, that was the other one. Yeah. So he, uh, he died. Uh, just, uh, about a week ago, 74 from a heart attack. Uh, anyone have anything else to add about J.J. Kale? Well, just, uh, yeah, I guess the 70s. So there's sort of this, now these days, uh, sort of this dismissive sort of look of like, well, if a song was written during the 70s or if it was prominent in the 70s, it's almost kind of dismissed now and shoved under the rug. You know, it's either... It's either thrown into, lumped into the, you know, it sounded like Led Zeppelin or a Clapton camp or it was disco. And it's sort of like, just sort of, there's a lot of assumption about 70s music. I think that's kind of not fair. It's, it's very easily sort of, uh, seemed as, uh, 
disregarded, I guess is the word I'm looking for. But pretty much you could easily fill out a best of the, a best of the decade, you know, album with John Cale songs. And he also wrote songs all the way up through, you know, the end of his life. Johnny Cash covered him. Um, Clapton, he said pretty much everyone who was, and I don't have a list in front of him, but pretty much anyone who was an American singer, songwriter, or musician for like the last 25 years has probably somehow indirectly yeah. uh, touched paths with J.J. Kale. And the influence is a little all over the map. I mean, even with Clapton, you're looking at, uh, you're looking at, uh, Santana and the Allman Brothers. So you're starting with the jam bands. And even Leonard Skinner did a couple of his songs. So there's, you know, Jam Band, Southern Rock, Clapton. It's an interesting range of people to cover his songs. Yeah. Probably took the American songwriter mantle from, you know, Hal David and Backrack and took it in a completely new way. Yeah. Well, I was reading where he, he basically went, oh, well, there's, there's much more money to be made in songwriting anyway, so. And he wasn't afraid to write about things that weren't popular. You know, and he wasn't afraid to write about songs that weren't necessarily common things that you wrote about. He sort of wrote different things than other people at his time were writing about, which is kind of nice. Well, I mean, it's, 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 it's sort of, uh, amazing to me that a song like Cocaine would get as mainstream as it did. Yeah. I mean, because, I mean, at the time, there wasn't anything really like that that was a hard, you know, the, the, the uh, uh, between that and like, heroin it's just like well we've got all the hard drugs covered thanks <laughs> all right so there's been a lot of live music that's happened and is still happening and will happen throughout the year but uh as we've been gone uh we've had glastonbury uh, as we record this lollapalooza has been happening this weekend um we've had uh coachella is coming up so i just thought i'd throw it open to the panel so to speak what uh what have you seen what have you liked what has been surprising? What makes you happy? What makes you sad? Live stuff. What do you got? Well, Coachella's already happened, actually. Oh, has it? Yes. Yes. Oh, well, that shows how up-to-date that was, I am. That was, yeah. But but here's the thing, and, and I'll leak it together like this. Yeah. Because our thing has always been, the thing we hate about festivals is other people. So the nicest thing about mm. most of these really major big festivals is, is that they've been webcasting all the major performances. This is true. It's, it's super nice, right? Very. So, like, if you can't get to Chicago, or let's just say you don't want to go to Chicago, they're webcasting everything. It's it's really nice. Um, the only thing that we miss, I think, is the last hour of the Rolling Stones sets at, set at Glastonbury. But I think everything else we've gotten. Did you see the Cure set yet? Uh, have not. Uh, I know they're, I know they're caching those, so you can go back and watch them later. So yeah. I'm going to go do that, uh, probably okay. later on this evening. But, uh, I have been looking, I have been looking forward to seeing the cure because it's like, okay. it's like the only date they're playing here in yeah. the United States. So, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. But, uh, yeah, um, I mean, basically it's been an open book. I mean, that, that's the nicest thing about it is that, uh, that you can see the stuff that you wanted to see. I mean, uh, Paul McCartney set up Bonnaroo. Done. Online. Um, and, and it's been nice. Yeah, I'm sort I of, think, I'm sort of amazed yeah. you would, you would go at this point. <laughs> Cause I mean, you know, it's just looking at those crowds. Maybe I'm just old, but I just go, God, I'm so glad I'm not there. See, I, I my worry is the bathrooms. 
The, oh, yeah. yeah, I don't even think about My that. My worry is the bathrooms. That's that's that. It's not the people. It's not the people because come on, we've been to Dragon Con. Uh, but to be fair, so it's it's the same sort of people quotient, except you can't duck into good bathrooms. But but toughly to be fair, the bathrooms would be fine without all the people. That is a I good mean, point. That is, I've, although I've chemical, chemical potties, some... I always question. Oh no no no, they're not great to begin with. But I'm just saying they they certainly they certainly go downhill a lot faster than hotel bathrooms. So yeah. And I have pissed in some punk rock bathrooms in my lifetime, but in half of them, I will take over a porta potty any day of the week. <laughs> I, 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 Rob, that needs to be the title of your autobiography. I have pissed in some punk rock bathrooms in my lifetime. Well, I can tell you that the the bathroom at CBGB's was never really pleasant. Uh, and and Maxwell's was always kind of a mess. So there's there's always been, and I have to say, you know, the masquerade's bathrooms. Aren't exactly you know great either. No, but all of those are far far superior than you know because you you have Porta to do that. Whole, in the middle of Tennessee. Well, you've got to do all that stuff, right? <laughs> but then you've also got people outside banging on the doors waiting for you, and you know it's just yeah. Hipsters and crap bathrooms are not a good mix. But the nugget of joy outside of this stuff, Lee, you mentioned the webcast, which I was gonna mention as well um the other cool thing is that like if you live in a city like you're in atlanta and we're in in, in st louis and some of those smaller cities that are out sort of on the outskirts of the festivals like yeah. we have a festival here uh you guys have one down there and you're getting some of the acts coming or going to other festivals oh it gets better we've got like three down here now we've got and they're all like seasonal so we've got one in the spring We've got, oh, uh, the electronic world thing that's happening in September. Right. That, that's going on here. And then we've got, uh, like two more in the park and, and then Music Midtown is back. So it's nuts. But like a lot of towns are getting, like, for example, if, if a band is playing in Chicago for Lollapalooza, we are either getting the dates before or after on their way to or on their way from the shows. So it's kind of like, like, I won't get The Cure and I won't get Nine Inch Nails. But if I want to see some of the other bands, you know, they'll pop in and do gigs in smaller markets. And it's kind of cool because the bands are practicing and using those gigs sort of to build up for Lollapalooza. So when you get them, uh, you won't – like a couple of years ago, the Arctic Monkeys played here before they played Lollapalooza. And you knew that they were going to try to get their set tuned down and nailed down before Lollapalooza. And you know that they, they don't want to have a shit set going into that because the internet's going to spread it. So a lot of the times, you will get to see the bands you want to see on top of their game more than you would have if they were just doing a regular tour. Because they're coming on or coming off of this wave of a large festival. And I think that's kind of cool, too, is that it's made these bands realize, you know, we can pick up some extra money. Now, the other thing, too, is if you go to Chicago, right, and I didn't do it this year, but I've done it in the past, you go up for Lollapalooza weekend, you don't actually have to go to Lollapalooza. Because one year, I saw the 19 bands I wanted to see at Lollapalooza playing gigs elsewhere in the city that same weekend. And you didn't have to deal with all the other stuff. And their sets are longer than an hour. So I'm kind of old school. An hour is a weird disjointed thing where like you just get into seeing the band and 
they're gone. And then they stop, yeah. Yeah. Or you spent so much time running to get to the stage to see the band that you don't sort of and – and again, I sound like the old man in the room – you, you, you sort of have to settle into getting ready to see a band. So it's like, okay, I just ran from seeing Pulp on stage A, and now I'm running to stage B to go see Nine Inch Nails. But it's going to take me sort of ten minutes to sort of process that change. So it is there is a bit of a overwhelming sense of some of that that is removed by seeing them on webcasts or in smaller venues. Um, and I think that you know the, now that the festivals have gone on, people have sort of caught on that maybe you find a regional festival that works for you. There's a lot of people that just want everything at once. They want the experience more as much as the music. And those people go to uh, Lollapalooza or they go to Coachella. But then there's folks that like, I want to hear a bunch of great bands and I want to sort of be able to process it at a slower pace. So they'll go to Riot in Chicago, which is a great festival this year. Um, They'll go to Pitchfork or they'll go to a lesser extent, Bonnaroo or the one up in, um, that they do up in, up in the Northwest, they'll do some of those. So it's kind of interesting that you have two styles of seeing live music, but the best part of it is you still get to see it. And yeah. there's just so much more of it this summer, I think, than there has been recently. I mean, uh, for an industry that's not selling a lot of records, they're selling a lot of live shows. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of interesting. And 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 the music midtown people are just going to love me, but they've gone to two days this year, and God, they're stacked. I mean, yeah. I mean, have you? We've got Queens of the Stone Age, Yeah Yeah Yeahs, Phoenix, Jane's Addiction, shit, Jane's Addiction, Weezer, ah. Cake, Tegan and Sarah, and Arctic Monkeys, and the Black Lips. Yeah, and that's Still not including, that's work. not including the rappers. So that's that's pretty stacked. Oh, you forgot so, you forgot to mention Journey. I I actually did forget to mention Journey on purpose. <laughs> Thank you. I I think they here's the thing though. I think they headline uh Chili Peppers are also playing and Journey are playing the first night. A lot of the classic rock bands are playing the first night, but if you look at the 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 second night, it is so stacked. Yeah, that was the night I was thinking about coming for cuz that yeah. looks amazing. That that is so stacked and I looked at it and I talked to my to, to Kim about it and I'm like they are almost trying to get me to come to this aren't they but it's not going to work because I don't come to those things but still they tried I give them credit now where do they have it uh I think it's still in Piedmont Park Because basically what happened is they music Midtown went away for a while because it got security got a little weird. Um, and then, uh, a couple of years ago, it came back. It's usually been like a one day mm-hmm. sort of thing. And, um, cause it basically replaced, they used to do a, uh, Piedmont Park Conservatory benefit concert for the park that used to be like Dave Matthews and the Allman Brothers. And it always happened like Dragon Con weekend. So you could tell that those concerts were happening at the same yeah. time as Dragon Con. Um, but then I think the last year they did it, it became McCartney. And then the conservatory people decided we can't go any bigger than McCartney, so we're done. And then Music Midtown came back. Yeah. So, um, cause Music Midtown was insane for a couple of years. And Widge will remember this, cause this is even before I moved up here. 
But uh, Music Midtown had gotten really, really insane and out of control, and they, they had to pull it for a while. Because it was the same thing. Almost that – they got rid of that and Freaknik at about the same time. Uh, wow. And, uh, and that was about the point where they had basically said, okay, we're not doing – no more Music Midtown. We're not giving permits to Freaknik. We're done. And then uh, – and now, uh, now Music Midtown has been back for a couple of years. So uh, they're doing kind of well. And, uh, and, uh, the, the, like I said, the lineup looks really stacked. Um, so that's, that's curious, but, uh, maybe they'll webcast some of that. So <laughs> I'd be okay with that. I would too. I but just, the Riot Fest in Chicago is, I, I think I'm going to go to that. Oh, the uh, replacements. Is that the one the replacements is playing? And the Pixies, although oh, they don't have Kim Deal. It's like both bands don't have their original members, but it might still be good. Well, um, yes, but the replacements. There's a reason you can't have the orig- some of the original members. Yes, death, is, I know. death is a better factor than she quit the band. So, yes. wow. Although were the breeders on the bill at some point? I, I thought I had seen that. Yeah. The, the 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 breeders had been on the bill at one point, and I think they dropped off because Kim left uh, the Pixies. Yeah. Okay. I thought I had seen that. Well, I. Uh... Going back to what we had mentioned before, um, two things that struck me about Lollapalooza were, first of all, Queens of Stone Age, pretty fucking rocking, um, and was very happy with the Nine Inch Nails set. Uh, I, I've, I've always loved the idea of, uh, if, 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 if people are, are, are pressed for time, just go back and watch the opening sequence, which was Copy of a and Sanctified, where, they just come on stage one by one. The stagehand will bring out the instrument, set it down. Then the, the musician comes out and, res- and enters the song. And I just, I've always loved that idea of build the stage as you go. And watching that happen just the Bowie tour. Oh, did they? A little bit, yeah. Because Bowie's band slowly left and then Nine Inch Nails slowly came in. Nice. Yeah. <clears throat> but no, I was, I was, ha- I was happy because it, it looks like he hasn't lost any of it at all. So, anyway, uh, no, and I'm, and th- that leads to a question about the the Nine Inch Nails tour: Is How to Destroy Angels still opening for for Nine Inch Nails on some of these dates? Because like Trent is like in some of these dates, Trent is like his own opening band. Well, it's it's worked for Christopher Guest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know it's not the Atlanta date because we got Godspeed, but uh, like I'm bragging about that. But uh, but I know on some dates it's, it is actually how to destroy angels, which is going to be interesting. Well, how God, is Trent going to hold up for like six hours on on stage? Well, Godspeed. I mean, the thing about Godspeed—that's one of the only shows in which you can say, "Hey, I only had time to watch three songs, but I'm okay with that." <laughs> <laughs> I swear to Christ, it's like, it's like, oh wow, only a 22 minute song, guys. You guys are getting lazy. You know, that question did come up when I saw that listing was like, really, how the hell long is this show? Um, <laughs> this is a two day festival all on its own. Is, uh, is Trent going, uh, is Trent doing, uh, is Trent doing, uh, Lauren Hill times now? Is that when he's coming out? Is that? Oh, oh, he's going to come out at two o'clock in the morning. That's when that show's starting. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, but that question did come up. It, it is certainly up. Um, well, while we're, while we're talking about live stuff, I was amused, and I'd sent this link about the bookies trying to make bets on Glastonbury, two thousand fourteen. Yeah. Oh God! Now that now that we're done with Doctor Who, yeah. Um, oh yeah. 
Yeah, I wonder, I wonder who cleaned up on that one. Um, <clears throat> Rob can say no more. Uh, no, apparently the, the uh, they've cut the odds on Oasis reforming. Can, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. I thought that pretty much the only people who, the only band based on brothers that would be more likely to kill them, kill each other than Oasis would be the Kinks. So. Well, you have to remember, here's the thing. Oasis is far larger in Europe than they ever were here. Um, and even when they were, and, and even when they, even, even at the point when they finally did break up, they were still filling stadiums in Europe. They were filling arenas in Europe. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and even Canada, but they, they couldn't, they couldn't do anything here. Um, so there's a, there, even though you don't think there'd be a huge financial reason for Oasis to get back together, they could tour Europe. They could tour Europe and Canada once and clean up. Uh, so, so there's a market for it. And there's a, there's another sort of more ominous factor at work here. Um, one, as we've seen, yes, the 90s are back. So the Stone Roses tour cleaned up and they're the friggin' Stone Roses, which, you know, at the end of the day, they weren't necessarily always known for their live show, but they, the Stone Roses who had probably didn't have the hit level of Oasis. Yeah. Cleaned up. Right. And, and arguably, the, the, and arguably the dynamic on them was, was very similar. Now, the other more interesting thing about this is, uh, the other band, uh, and a lot of the Britpop band, the, there's sort of been kind of an interest, a reinterest in Britpop, you know, 10, 15 years down the road now. It's, there's people starting to look at it again. But what's interesting is when Blur played in Hyde Park, that was a flagpole moment where people stood up and took notice because if Blur can get back together and play and do tours and keep adding dates and sell a ton of tickets, if you think for a minute that the Gallagher brothers are going to be one-upped by Blur 15 years later, you're <laughs> sadly mistaken. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's true. That's a good point. Because even, if, God. because even if it's not true, the British press will make it true. One. <laughs> yeah. Two, they're... Uh, the only thing that is stronger than those two personal differences is one, they like to make money and two, they like to go out. They always like, they're a band that's always like to have the last word. So I, I very easily could see them playing Glastonbury um, because there's really one, there's really nobody else. Um, you know, although with their luck, that's the year the Smiths get back together and, and, and all, you know, things <laughs> goes to hell. <laughs> you know, they're like, yay, we're putting the band back together. We're making a ton of money. And then the Smiths finally do it, you know. But, no, because uh, the argument would then be what night do they headline? Because that was the same thing as, uh, like, uh, like with Coachella, who, uh, because they had the flip flop with Blur and, uh, who was it they had the flip flop with? It was Blur and Stone Roses. Yeah. Or they flip Blur and Stone Roses for one weekend, and, and there seemed to be a flop about that. Yeah. Hmm. Which those two bands don't really care. And, you know, it's funny, because I, 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 I don't really know who does or doesn't care within those bands about those particular issues of which band's better. But it almost would be interesting for them to book Blur one night and Oasis the next 
and let the last band standing win. You know. Well, um, well, Nola's mentioned he sort of buried the hatchet with uh, Damon. With Damon, yeah, yeah. I, I think so. I think I think that leaves Liam out there dangling in the breeze. Yeah, but for but again, money, money. You know, well, neither of them has had, despite the fact that they've both been in bands. Neither of them has made a ton of money. And when you, particularly in Europe, as you said, they're huge. They're, the amount of money they've made in the past compared to what they've made post Oasis career. Yeah. And the and the proclivity for English bands to never really go away but reform. Um, it's not necessarily far within the far beyond you know the realm of reason. So. I don't know what to expect. I mean, who else could you get to headline glass? I mean, you almost want them to, to think, think more, you know, and, and do a little more thinking. But I guess Glastonbury sort of has this reputation for doing big events. But, you know, they could get – there's bands they could get. So – Well, the other thing is this year had to be a monster year because this was coming back from taking yeah. the year off from doing the Olympics. So you kind of figured, okay, they're coming back with the Rolling Stones. That That was just something you figured. Um, I don't know necessarily if they have to top the stones and I don't think they're going to unless they get the Smiths. So, um, so, so I, yeah, I I could see your reasoning for, for a bunch of nineties bands. Although after Oasis, I think most of those nineties bands are still together. After Oasis and Blur, I think some, most of them are still playing. But those are the two, the the only two that anybody really cares about. Pretty much, you know, uh, there's the Stone Roses, there's Blur, and there's Oasis. Those are the ones that people want to see. And if, unless they get the original lineup in New Order or something like that, nobody's really going to jump up and down. So, although is it is it sad for I just like I'm like please Oasis stay dead because I like High Flying Birds so much better. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I and I want a band to stay dead. I like I like that. You know, we'll talk about this some other time, but. You know, this idea of every band in existence coming back and making a new record is getting really annoying. So I almost like the fact that they go to Now, what I would like to almost see, in, and I don't think they would do it, but if, if Oasis could come back and do an album all the way through, if they did like definitely maybe all the way through or something, that would be kind of interesting. Um, just change it up a little bit, you know, do something different than you normally might. That might be cool, but again, no one really knows. So I thought that was interesting, though, about the odds makers. Of, you know, they're they're already sort of planting the seeds already. Yep. But, although, although I could see Daft Punk doing Glastonbury, I could see that as a yeah. thing. I could definitely see that as a thing. Yeah, that's true. I, uh, I could Daft Punk. I could see a bit more likely than the Oasis thing, actually, but. Yeah. Uh, well, talking about live stuff, I thought this was interesting. Um, NME had posted a, a video where they had gone around talking to a bunch of people about how do you feel about people filming at gigs on their phones? And of course, my fa- Johnny Marr was talking, just, you're being a dick. Stop it. What are you doing? But this is what, seeing this video, I think struck a chord with me after watching, especially the Nine Inch Nails set at Lollapalooza. And that I swear to Christ, every third person in that crowd was filming on their phone. Yeah. And I, I don't, I, I agree with, um, 
uh, I forget, one of the musicians there was like, look, I don't have a problem with it, but what are you doing? You know, <laughs> someone else is filming this. It's going to, when you get done, your video is going to look and sound like shit. Why are you watching it on a small screen when you could actually be enjoying the show? I mean, here's the thing in the case of, and a lot of people have been doing this in the mm. case of nine inch nails who are doing new material at these dates. Yeah. Uh, people are posting the performances of the new material and trying to be, you know, oh, oh, they're thinking, oh, they're first at posting this and stuff like that. Because I, because, because if you start doing YouTube searches, especially if you're looking for new stuff, and you pull up YouTube searches, you're looking for the official video, you'll get like nine videos of like the band doing it in different states. Yeah. Live and like some shaky cam footage. Right, and it's eight of which you positively cannot listen to, and the and, and the sound is shit, and oh, the other and the other four. Yeah, it's like I I I. But that's the thing. It's like I, I don't understand now, – now that you know – I mean if you know you're going to Lollapalooza and they're going to be webcasting it and you're going to be able yeah. to watch it later if you want to, yeah. why the fuck would you want to try to film it on your phone? I mean especially I – mean, here's the thing, Tuffley. Even if you – oh, I'm going to be first. Every third person's filming. You can see a screen of glowing white where they're filming. You know you're not going to be first. What the fuck are these people doing? I don't get it. All right, Rob, go ahead. Go, let it out. Let it out, Rob. Well, I, I, I've always it, it, it mystifies me when, like, I saw Beach House, right? Yeah. And everybody's there watching the show through their cameras and their phones, and I'm just like, you paid forty bucks to watch a band on your fucking phone when you can see them, you know, and. A band like Sigur Ross or Godspeed or Nine Inch Nails or somebody like Tom Waits, these people, they'll just put on concerts that aren't sort of big deals, right? Yeah. Um, but if you're going to spend the money, don't sit there and look at it through your phone I mean, or, or your little monitor screen. The, the fundamental problem is our generation is probably, and again, I'm the old guy in the room, is probably the last generation where – we sort of knew how to go see a concert, and I don't yeah. think a lot of these people – and this sounds really weird, but I don't think no one's ever explained to them what you do when you go see a concert, which is part of the reasons why going to the festivals suck. Yeah. Because they don't really know that you go and you enjoy this experience, the organic experience of watching a band or an artist <laughs> make their music or the stage show or the presentation, especially yeah. now when there's more visuals um, than ever. Involved in, in in presentations. I mean, everything is the synergy between film and music and technology has never been stronger. So when you go see a live show now, there's so many things going on visually that it's worth it for you to see it. Especially still, because there's bands that'll do things with you know the lights when when they do particular points in songs, or the drummer will do particular things after certain points in songs. You know. Why would you not want to take in that experience? Why do you want to do it on your phone? Now, so, I will say, I will say the only person that I've seen actually incorporate the phones, uh, Amanda Palmer did this bit when she was playing live that yeah. I appreciated where she, where she actually used the phones, people's other people's phones yeah. that were taping. I think that was, that was the only time that I've ever seen somebody do something cool with the yeah. phones at the shows. Yeah. But, um, you brought up Savages a little back. I think I remember this whole thing starting to brew a couple of months ago when wasn't it the lead singer of Savages? Uh, Savages has a sign on their door yeah. for their sets. 
saying, please don't. Yeah. Please yeah. Don't tape me on. Yeah. Because it was like the lead singer tore into somebody, like stopped the show in the middle of the show and, and, and like wouldn't start playing again until they put the phone up. Yeah. Wow. But I mean, you watch the videos on YouTube and we all do it, you know. Um, one, I want, I don't want to know what's coming up in the show. I want to be surprised still. Like, I want to go to a Nine Inch Nails show and know there's new material. I don't want to know what it is ahead of time. I don't want to know the set list ahead of time. I, I like to have the experience of sort of the surprise and, and of the transitions and all that other stuff, right? But nine out of ten times, as you said, the sound and video quality is complete crap, you know? And why bother? I mean, you're not going to really see it. You're like, okay – this is, you're, if they're so underwhelming. I mean, the problem with YouTube is that nine out of ten times it's so underwhelming that it's, it's pointless. And it's almost like there's all these kids that have all this, it's like a sugar rush. They have all this stuff they can do to capture the live experience and take it with them when they leave, but they don't know how to do it and they don't know how to process the thing they're actually going to see. Well, Rob, it's also the thing, thing of, it's also the thing of, you know, everybody's got a YouTube channel and they need to augment their hits. Yeah. You know, and that's how you do it by you taking the shaky cam footage of Nine Inch Nails. Even though you know it's shit, somebody's going to do a search for it and yeah. accidentally hit it. That's at least, oh, 4,000 good hits. At least. And when, you know, when you, when you watch the Nine Inch Nails webcast, you're at least knowing, okay, there's going to be a certain production and sound level that's okay. Yeah. Or if, and some people still buy DVDs of concerts of people that they want. Well, to particularly enjoy. Nine Inch Nails fans will buy DVDs still yeah. of it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I I still think that there's a place for that. You know, you can still you can you can transfer that format digitally. You know, onto a computer or whatever. But um, again, in a world where everything is so digital and so um, sort of esoteric, the idea of going out and seeing live music is really a big deal. Plus, I'm old. I very seldom, well, I, I say very seldom, but the amount of live music I see compared to what I saw 10, 15 years ago is greatly diminished. But when I go oh, out, yeah. I want to really have it be something cool, you know? And which you've talked about going to see Tom Waits, and even though you had a weird time with buying the tickets, right? It was an event for you to get up and go see Tom Waits because right. It's fucking Tom Waits. Yeah. And that itself is, is a pretty cool thing. So I think that's, I think that's getting lost. And I think that's the whole core problem of this. And I kind of like the fact that Johnny Marr said, Hey, don't do this. You're being a dick. And he's not, I don't think it's a money thing. I don't think it is a, I want to control everything thing. I think it is, I'm doing my best to perform for you and practice my craft. Take some time to appreciate it the way you should. Well, it's also that, the that's fear. That's what I'm taking out of it. Well, it's also the fear that, you know, people look at stuff on YouTube and make snap judgments. And even with shaky cam, shitty sounding video quality and audio quality, people are making judgments about the band based on what they're seeing in this horrible yeah. footage. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I don't want to see these guys live because I saw that YouTube and the band wasn't great. Yeah. Which may not have even been the fault of the band. It was the fact that the guy had a shaky camera or the sound wasn't right that one night or whatever. 
But, uh, you know, people, it's the fear of people making snap judgments. I don't want to go see X person live because their YouTube, you know, this YouTube video I saw was bad. Yeah. You know? Well, all the more reason I would guess to put out like an official version. Exactly. So that way there's, there's, you know, it's like, well, it's, it's like when Monty Python put out their channel. It's like, we're, we're just going to replace all the shit versions that you put out here. At least we can control the quality that way. Yeah. If you can't beat them, join them and make it high def, I guess. It's the lesson. I don't know. Also, quickly in the news, um, in, uh, in international news, <laughs> we're going to the international desk. International news. Um, you guys Wind saw- running over to the international desk. Yeah. So, oh, oh, God. Okay. I'm here. Wait a minute. This, this, this desk is shit. Um, other studio. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, it's smaller and has a less bu- has a smaller budget. <laughs> Definitely, uh, t- smaller budget than the rest of the podcast. That's amazing. Um, no, so basically, you guys saw this. This is the news where Lady Gaga and Madonna are both in trouble with Russia. I don't know. Is anyone is anyone not in trouble in Russia right now? I'm just wondering. But anyway, uh, Lady Gaga and Madonna apparently went into Russia on what was it cultural visas or something where they weren't supposed to perform. And yet performed. Now, I think that's a little strange in that if you have a musician who's coming into your country and they actually have, I don't think it's a secret. If Lady Gaga is doing a concert, it's probably not a secret gig. It's probably at a pretty big venue. How, I'm not, not sure how this could be a surprise to anyone that it's happening. Um, but, oh, look at all these speakers. Look at all these lights. Look at all the sound equipment. Oh, well. <laughs> But you know, though, but you know, though, didn't both Gaga and Madonna do, wasn't this around the time of Pussy Riot? And didn't they both do like in support of Pussy Riot stuff? Isn't that what this is about? Oh, no. Well, it's definitely about that. And well, and it's also about the, um, uh, Russia's anti homosexual stance as well. Yeah. But I, I, I figured it has nothing to, oh, we've issued them a visa and they yet performed. No, you know, it's they, because they supported Pussy Riot. Okay. That's what it is, guys. Call it what it is. Putin give up the Super Bowl ring too. But <laughs> while we're at it, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, like you said, it's basically the guy apparently, and I'm looking at this article on Rolling Stone. Uh, the guy who um, put in the complaint was the legislator from St. Petersburg who authored the city's "quote unquote" controversial anti-gay legislation. So yeah. Madonna spoke out yeah. against that, and then uh, Lady Gaga, of course, is uh, uh, very vocal about such things as well. So, no, I mean, you're absolutely right. I just think it's funny that you're going to say, oh, after the fact, oh, well, we didn't know that was going to happen, and you should have done that, and that was legal, and what the fuck is wrong with you people? We, we didn't know a concert was going to happen. Nah, nah. Yeah, a spontaneous concert broke out. You know what? If you didn't arrest the Scorpions in 1989, come on. That's all I'm saying. You know what, Tuffley? I think you need to be the defense lawyer for Pussy Riot. Your Honor. No, nobody wants that job. No, and and I read this. I read this recently because it was in one of the MTV books I talked about. I recommended it on Justice. Yeah. uh, Where they were talking about, you know, the deal where, you know, uh, Bon Jovi and Motley Crue and a lot of hair metal bands went to Russia and played a big show. and. Everybody was completely, absolutely loaded, except 
unfortunately, except, and this is funny, except for Motley Crue, who had just come out of rehab. So I'm reading that whole story and I'm like, okay, yeah, if they didn't arrest the Scorpions for performing, Madonna and Gaga are fine. Yeah, there's, there's actually, what is it? There's a, there's a legal term for, um, picking and choosing who you prosecute. Yeah. Yeah. And I forget what that is, but basically that's, that's your defense, Tuffley. That's my defense right there. Yeah. And part of it is too, is that they kind of let these people into the country. They did their concerts and then they put down this legislation. So it's almost like they have to post concert, criticize them to sort of put a hole in their loophole sort of of the whole, of the whole process. So it's kind of like, well, yeah, you know, we're not going to let any, any musicians that come into our country that are advocating pro LGBT stances. Oh, and Madonna and Gaga, they had legal visas. Yeah. Yeah. That's the ticket. Yeah. So yeah, it's just stupid. It's very stupid. Although I will say to the Lady Gaga and Madonna, uh, camp, since I know they listen, um, toughly your musical Matlock is available and his rates are reasonable. <laughs> Yeah, it will consist of me playing a couple of Scorpions records going, yeah, you let them play here. Please, please stop playing, please. <laughs> yet, yet. Um. I think we'll go it's, with yeah, the remix. So- I think we'll go with the 12-inch remix of Rock You Like a Hurricane. Mercy, mercy. <laughs> it's part of, yeah, part of Snowden's visa was, do you like the Scorpions? No. Do you listen to Madonna or Lady Gaga? No. Welcome to No, that was that. <laughs> That's, that was the application. I could check yes no. Uh another since we're here at the international desk, um I thought this was terribly amusing that uh that David Cameron gave out a mixtape to world leaders. It's kind of cool though. No, it's cool, but I just I cannot imagine what Vladimir Putin thought of Alt J's Tessellate. <laughs> since I since well, since I had to look up the word <laughs> Well, well, you know what? It's not a Super Bowl ring, so uh, still our country is clearly ahead. So <laughs> I think I think more than Putin, the one you got to worry about is Merkel. That woman has no sense of humor at all, you know. <laughs> but she probably uh, would have appreciated the Scorpions being put in a mixtape. So Cameron, work on that. I mean, I I think the fact that you know I have a prime minister in England who actually. Yeah, Tony Boy was in the music too, but he was in a different party. But Cameron's a big Smith guy. He's a big sort of, uh, ironically, Billy Bragg said, you know, Cameron really likes some of his records. You know, I mean, it's just kind of this weird thing where the guy's like wired to where he likes music and he wants to share it. So that's kind of actually cool. And even if they hate it, it's an icebreaker. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, although it's, it is kind of funny though, to, to, to how, how as prime minister do you work the mixtape in? Cause you, cause you know, with, with just giving mixtapes to people is, is kind of hard enough, but. Well, I'm you know, sure that, of, you know, the, the part of a giant world. Kind of in a diplomatic process. You know, I, I was thinking about our, our country's relations and, uh, and I made this mixtape and I, and I really think you should listen to it. And, you know, it conveys all of my feelings about where our country's going. Yeah. How do you well, work the, that in? Well, well in the giant cabal that is all of the meeting, you know, they're just kind of like, Hey, how's it going? Listen, hey, um, I made a mixtape. Here you go. You know, it's, it's the high fidelity school of international relations. I imagine it's like I, the Portlandia episode with the, the, the guy who's the DJ, but he's also the bartender. And it's just, yeah. oh, I made you this mixtape. 
But I think, I think too, there's sort of a, a tradition at the G8 where everyone gives other people gifts, you know? And I think he's oh, just so he was to... being cheap because it was part of the austerity yeah. measures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although, to be fair, Rob, apparently this, this mixtape was put together for him by the British music industry. I don't know that these yeah. were his personal selections. Yeah, because that was well, I'm sure he he's signed off on it. Oh, yeah. this stuff. He is in so much trouble. I mean, it's a pretty crap tape about Alt J, but no, yeah. well, well, uh, yeah, Alt J and uh, I like Lionel Havis. I think I'm saying yeah. that wrong, but, but yeah, but yeah, I'm with you. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, so no, I, I, I was just amused by that, and I'm sure they'll. I would love to. I would love to hear the uh, the G8 leaders giving their own music reviews of the David Cameron mixtape. Well, you know, I'm sure some countries loved it. And some. You know, didn't Putin was probably like, what the hell is this? But, you know. he, got, he, he got notes back. Like, what? No Dizzy Rascal? Come on. <laughs> I would love to see. <laughs> I would love to see that note coming back from Putin. <laughs> I wanted to see the Dizzy Rascal. Um. <laughs> Who is this rascal and why was he? Why does he spin around so much that he is dizzy? Oh, and what is the difference between Dizzy Rascal and Rizzle Kicks? Come on! <laughs> uh, this, and suddenly it becomes a Seinfeld routine. This, I don't know. This music, this grime, do they not bathe? <laughs> oh, there's like going to be three Rizzle Kicks fans that are really going to send us emails now. Um, uh, aren't there just three well, Rizzle well, Kicks fans? No emails we get now. Exactly, yeah. Oh, well. Oh, God. Uh, all right. So, mo- moving away from the international desk to the, run uh, back. Yeah, we're back. Let me run back over here to the legislation. No, the, the, uh, the litigation desk. From the Washington Bureau. From the Washington Bureau. Yes. Uh, no, I, Rob sent this in before the show. Apparently, um, the, uh, the co-creator of Black Flag is suing the, uh, the reunited Black Flag flag tour, touring group. Uh, for, for using basically black flag and a version of the logo, which is weird. Now, I don't, I don't know how that works, right? So you, you can, can do parody. Well, but it, but is it parody? I mean, there's a band touring right now as black flag that doesn't have Rollins in it. Right. Well, they and, both don't have Rollins in it, right? Well, now, now the article was referring to flag in all capital letters. Is that? Is it called just flag, or is it called black flag, or is it? I've seen it. I've seen it listed and promoted as black flag. Oh, okay, right? all right. And I thought Gin was in it, but maybe I'm wrong. But yes, Gin's in it. Gin's in one of them, and then there's another version. But okay. Hen- but Rollins isn't in either one of them. So uh, that's my point. Is Henry Rollins in any of these? No. Then shut the fuck up, because what? it's not black flag without Henry Rollins. What, End what, the story. Sorry. Well, well, well. That was that was what I was going to say. That the, the, so there is black flag, which has Gin in it, and then there's flag. Which is not Gin. So he's yeah. suing, he's suing Flag, but also Henry Rollins. Now that was the part I don't understand. If Henry Rollins isn't involved in this and the article didn't say he was involved in it, had said anything, why I the think, hell is he named? Now I did some checking on this. It seems like the guy who is in, the guy who's doing Flag. Okay. The guy who's doing Flag that doesn't have Gin in it. Yeah. Uh, and Henry Rollins, I guess, applied for a trademark for the Black Flag name. Uh, Even though Gin and the SST Records actually supposedly own it as uh, already own it, I don't know how that works. But apparently, there are competing trademark filings for the black. Uh, okay, stuff. that makes sense. 
That was not that was not in the article, so I was just very confused. I'm like, leave, yeah, there, leave Rollins alone. What has he done? Although it is interesting that he is part of this suit is also that they are touring using any version of the Black Flag name or logo, mm. um, which Rollins is actually included in that part of the suit, which again goes back to your that doesn't make any sense because he's not in either version right now. So. But yes, he is. He is named in the suit because him and the guy in flag uh, tried to get a trademark filing for the black flag stuff. Okay. All right, that makes sense. So that clears that up. Okay, good. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for 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 being a better journalist than the people who reported on this. I, I ran over to the legal desk to give you that. Oh, sheet. thank you. Well, let's thank let's, you. let's now run to the. Uh, what would this desk be called? It is stupid, though. The whole thing is absolutely stupid. Well, I mean, okay, for to a certain extent, I can understand where I do. Yeah, yeah. I can. If 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 you've got a version of the band and there's another version of the band running around that haven't cleared anything with you and you own the stuff, that sort of makes sense to me. That part I don't have a problem with. It's just the it was the, you know, Rollins being in named in bits of it that it doesn't make sense for him to be named in. And it may be one of those things where it's just like, you know, to get the shot across the bow kind of thing. You know, you always overstep. It seems like lawyers will always overstep so they can pull back to a more sane. Well, wasn't line. there something, well, wasn't there something kind of like this a couple of years ago with the cars? Yes. When a couple of guys from the cars wanted to tour and they took Todd Rundgren out and he did lead vocals and Rico Kasich sued. Uh, uh, on, on his behalf and, uh, Benjamin Orr, who is no longer with us, uh, on, on his estate's behalf, saying, if it's the cars, it should be the cars and not two of the cars and someone else. Yeah. Uh, which is basically the reason they were suing. Um, but yeah, it, it sounds like something like that. Hmm. Guys, you'll make more money if you just reform Black Flag. No, you know what I want? You know what I want now? Remember when there were like three variants of yes? And they all, and they all kind of combined to form like the vehicle Voltron version of yes? They should do that with Black Flag. And I, and I think Rollins can form the head. It'll be just, <laughs> it'll be great. Look, if you want to say anything to make that man mad, you go right ahead. <laughs> No, I don't want him. Unless some thunder, I don't want on me. All, all I can say, Rob, is if the uh, as if that comic book isn't going to piss him off, I, I'm pretty sure Tuffley's safe. <laughs> He's got a pretty good sense. Of <laughs> he does. He he is he is fucking hilarious live. In his I think Henry work. Rollins would want to be the Black Lion. I I'm just saying. I I, I now oh god now I've got black flag <laughs> I've got a heavily tattooed Voltron in my head now. But that's, yes, no, that's all right. What what I loved was when when they had Anderson, Buford, Wakeman, and Howe, and it was just like you guys sound like a law firm. You don't sound like a band. <laughs> it's the L.A. law. Just spin-off. just come up with a name for God's sake. All you need is LLC at the end of it. Come on. Anyway, all right. So- and it's great if you ever saw Mecca. Yes, and they <laughs> all did. They they all did. Owner of a Lonely Heart. That was so fucked up. Uh- <laughs> God. When 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 it, when when the Mecca Yes did a did a Yes song that wasn't actually in half the people's era, that was great. That's oh. did you go to this? He, he went to Mecca it. Yes. Mecca Yes. Uh, I, I no, I saw a blurry shaky YouTube. <laughs> so I'm forming a snap judgment based on see because that was what okay. I don't need to. I don't need to see it to make a judgment. 
That is def- that's not a yes. That is a maybe. Yeah. Uh, all right. So moving on to the whatever we call the musicians behaving badly desk. Uh, a couple quick things here. Two things that just blew my mind when I read this. Okay. And these, these are from musicians I like. So I'm just like, oh, come on, guys. So apparently Dead Mouse uh, decided that he wanted to get on Top Gear and did a Twitter campaign to get on Top Gear, trying to get everybody's attention. Now, it just so happens that on the same day he did this, he also ran into Justin Bieber and then sort of taunted Justin Bieber's fans on Twitter, saying that he had met Justin Bieber. Now, then Deadmouse, because the media jumped on this and not his Top Gear campaign thing, blamed Justin Bieber for keeping him off of Top Gear. So so if I read this article right, Deadmouse decided to, like, you know, basically... Shit on Justin. Now I blame Justin Bieber for lots of things. Let's not get. Let's get one thing straight. I'm not necessarily defending Justin Bieber, but you don't have Bieber fever. I do. I do not have Bieber fever. All I, right, good. I have been vaccinated against that as well. All, right. all of you should as well. I mean, that's a vaccination uh, that even the crazy people who are against vaccinations get vaccinated because you don't you mess know, around McCarthy's with McCarthy's kids. Are you, oh, you got it. Yeah. You know. You know. I can go one better than being vaccinated from Bieber fever. What's I'm that? a Chicago Blackhawks fan. Look it up. Look it up, uh, folks. Look it up. I really like when they fought the war wheel. Anyway. Be- so, Bieber stood on the head. That's not cool. Anyway. My my problem is, is that Dead Mouse is blaming Justin Bieber for ruining his chances of getting on Top Gear when he could have just not mentioned that he met the guy in the first place. Or, here's what I do. Save it for a couple of days. It's, you know, it's not like and, it won't and, be funny later. And here's the funny thing: uh, they got rid of the, uh, the 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 star in a reasonably priced car segment on the American Top Gear two years ago. So what is he campaigning for? No, no, he mean, he means the real Top Gear. I know. There's only one. There's only one Top Gear. Toughly, come on. I, I okay. No, there's only one. <laughs> there, well, yeah, here's the other logic: Steven Tyler did get on, so there you go. Again, and it goes to the Scorpions rule: if Steven Tyler got on, come on. What were you going to say, sometimes, Rob? Sometimes it's not good to smoke a lot of weed. That's all I'm going to say. It's not. <laughs> Kids, but don't do drugs. Still, but, but, you know, he wears a giant head for a living, so there there can't be that much air circulating around. So I blame I blame correct air circulation in the helmet. And he's I Canadian. Think, and he's Canadian. So, you know, there's already thin air already. So when you put a helmet on and you don't have proper airing going to the helmet, this is a costuming thing. Dragon Con people. You know, well, send him maybe, some emails. Help him out with that. Maybe Dead Mouse doesn't realize that if they're going to put a, put him on Top Gear, they're gonna, only going to do it if Skrillex says no first. <laughs> oh, why does that make me happy? Um, I don't know. I'm just glad someone laughed at it. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, in, in other, it, it does seem stupid. It does seem like he's trying to piggyback a lot of his. Uh, his hype. He's like, well, I'm going to cap, to me at least, it seems like I'm going to capitalize off my lack of being on Top Gear by slamming Beaver. And then it's a save, it's a saving face kind of thing, is what it seems like. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, so it's, it's, like it's asking, very weird. So you mean it's like asking the redheaded girl for, to dance and she says no, and then she, then, you know, suddenly proclaiming, I knew you were going to say no. Yes. Exactly. Okay. Kind of like that. Yeah. Kind of like that. Uh, also, I would, I, I 
Wiley apparently was going to the Cumbrian Music Festival, had had gotten online and bitched about the fact that he was having to go to the Cumbrian Music Festival, <laughs> referring referring to the people in Cumbria as pagans. And then when he showed up, they threw shit at him, and he seemed surprised. <laughs> and again, sometimes people smoke too much. Weed. Apparently, he did like fifteen minutes of his forty-five minute set. Won't give back his fee. And I don't know. I'm not familiar with this festival, but the festival saying we're a charity. What are you doing? So it's like, oh man, I like your stuff. Don't be a dick. But the, there you go, friends. If you if you're going to if you're going to the lessons here are first of all, if you're trying to do some sort of internet campaign, don't get the attention of someone who's more famous than you, and then wonder why you get hijacked. And second, if you're going someplace. If you're going to bitch about it, bitch about it after the fact when you're no longer in the crosshairs. I think that's, I think that's the lesson here. Now, to be fair though, yeah, it is Cumbria. I know, but still, you don't you in this day and age, you don't get online and bitch about it when everyone's yeah. you know able to hear you bitching about it. Yeah, because that would be called a Cumbrian gaff. Never mind. In other news. <laughs> Ready yeah, back I, I to whatever justice is. You know, I mean... Yes, Rob? Uh, I, I, and I could be wrong here, but don't they have in their contracts a stipulation saying they have to play a certain amount of time? And if they don't honor that contract, don't they just not pay them? Oh, I mean, well, well, I think they, they, they got the fee ahead of time, but they are apparently looking at their legal options because it's like, uh, okay, well, what are you going to do? But again, don't be stupid. Just don't be stupid. Wow. Thinking, uh, and, and, uh, in the, uh, we'll go to the religious desk here for the next story in which we ask this question. Uh, the, the, apparently the last flavor of flavor. We have a lot of desks. We, we have lots of desks. I know. They're, they're all crammed together in this one abandoned Walmart. Um, well, they're IKEA, so they all, there's space fitting. That's true. And then we can just, you know, flat pack them again when we're done. Yes. Um, f- apparently I thought that all the, the uh, Flavor Flav chicken restaurants were closed, but apparently one just closed recently, the last one. Um, so my question yeah. is, in a world where Flavor Flav can't have a chicken franchise of his own, and yet Mumford and Sons are looking at having their own type of whiskey, is this proof there is no God? Can I ask a question about the whiskey? Sure. Does it go down bland? <laughs> it's a, uh, uh, it's, it's a six month aged whiskey. Ah, so it does. Yes. Uh, yeah, it has a shelf life of the record. Um, wow. Well, I think I think the argument here is that um, Mumford and Sons probably got a sponsorship deal. I don't think they actually do anything with the whiskey. I think someone just said, hey, we'll give you a ton of money to say this is your whiskey, and it's an endorsement thing that either their label or management signed, is what I'm guessing. Um, and, you know, they don't have the image problem that Flavor Flav has. I mean, true, you, we would all love to go to a Flavor Flav fried chicken place just to go, but there's an image well, issue with Flavor Flav. <laughs> well, there is, the, there is the basis that recently had a brain tumor. So from this, can we infer that, uh, that there is a small chance that, uh, that Mumford and Sons whiskey might in fact trigger brain tumors? Wow. I would just like to say that I would actually prefer a Sanford and Son whiskey before a Mumford and Son's whiskey. Well, I'm just saying, you know, 
if you're going to buy an Irish whiskey, why don't you buy the Pogue Mahone whiskey and not their whiskey? But, you know. <laughs> See, and that's the thing, too. If the Pogues came out with a whiskey, that's a whiskey I can trust. I don't know about Jesus. trust, but. <laughs> well, you know, it gets yes, the job but... done. It also, yes. it also works as a, it also works as a, um, uh, an embalming agent. <laughs> but see, it's a, it's a brand that I can trust with alcohol, with my alcoholic needs. I'm yeah. not sure I can trust Mumford and Sons. Well, see, the problem is that you've already the Pogues would have to come out with a rum first because I, you know well, rum yes. rum sodomy in the lash that would be the rum. It's, well, it's all part of it's all part of the you know rollout. You know, yeah. you start the sodomy the, wouldn't you they the wouldn't sell it with the sodomy in Russia, but. <laughs> Well, yes, but they don't have a visa to perform either, so it's fine. Yeah. Nice. But, I mean, it's a it's a merchandising thing. They're just kind of like, hey, let's put our name on something. That's what I'm guessing it is. Or it's somebody in the band's family. Oh, my brother's got a whiskey distillery. Let's make him some money, you know. Although the guy from Blur, his cheese is really actually very good. Is that Graham Coxon? Yeah. Uh, no, no, it's the other one. I've heard that's really good, really good cheese, but yes, his, his his cheese is actually pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Alex James. Yes, Alex James. Yeah. Huh. I did not know that. Uh, <laughs> artisan cheeses. Okay, and, and put this on my list link. of things to bring. Okay. And and here's the link. He actually promoted it on Top Gear and Buzzcocks. Okay, list of things to get. And <laughs> He has a 200-acre cheese farm in, in Oxfordshire. Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. my God. That's awesome. That is. All the weird things to spend your money on. Which, which, which he said. That was like the weirdest. What is the weirdest thing I could possibly spend all my money on? A cheese farm. And I went and got it. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and Rob, make sure you get the creamy Shropshire Blue, which is called, of course, Blue Monday. That's actually kind of cool. <laughs> he has he has won best goat's cheese at the 2008 British Cheese Awards. Now, is there some sort of? I'm sure that this is on Wikipedia because they never lie. Is there some sort of source for bands that have had liquor brands named after them that we can compare the Mufford and Sons whiskey to? Oh, you know what? I will have to look for that. I think that would be great because I think it's I think it's probably a common thing you know i mean yeah it's there's there's not really a god but at the same time if flavor if this would have been 20 years ago and flavor flavor was still in public enemy of the type this fried chicken thing would have blown up right he releases this in the age of do the right thing and kid and play he's got this this shit blows up now not so much you know or if he does the chicken business but doesn't go on the reality show with bridget nielsen he still comes out of this okay Although, here's the thing, though. At the time, though, if it had come out around, you know, fight the power and stuff, I think Chuck would have vetoed it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, but, I, I think I think Chuck would what, have cared more at the time and would have vetoed it. What I want to find, though, is apparently he did, for his chain, he did commercials. I gotta see them. <laughs> Was there was there green screen involved? I wonder. I don't know, but come on, it's flavor flavor <laughs> on TV selling something. 
I want it like green screen, 3 a.m. in the morning kind of ad, you know? It, it'll, Flavor Flav selling his chicken stand, his chicken restaurants is way better than the mini ball guy on YouTube any day of the week. It's oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. One of these days, I will I will find a menu, and I will I will have it on my wall. You know what? Oh, here's what. Okay, here's what we need to do though. In this age of Pinterest and all of the reverse engineered recipes, surely, surely somebody reverse engineered Flavor Flav chicken, so we can at least recreate it at home. Yes, please. Please, God. Then I might believe in you, God, if you can make that happen. Can we do a Kickstarter or a Flavel post the recipe? Oh, oh, oh I would be all over that. Because wasn't isn't there wasn't there the uh, somebody tried to do the Kickstarter uh, the, to get Carly Simon to give up her you know you're so vain source again? That was a couple. That was a while back. Somebody yeah. tried to do a Kickstarter for that and killed it. I think we should. I, I think I think there should be a Kickstarter to get Flav to give up the recipe. Since, you know, he's not going to be using it anymore. Hmm. He I can endorse still make that money idea. off of it, Flav. I endorse that idea. Flav, go do that. If you're listening. Which I'm sure you are. He listens. Yes, of course. Because, you know, he gets it from Madonna. Yeah. Well, you know, they're, they're, they're like this. Madonna and Flav and Flav, they're like this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah boy. Madonna and Flav and Bono, they all hang out. It's great. And fight crime. <laughs> All right, so uh, on to the big topic of the evening. And this, this came up because I saw what I was putting together for the show. Seemingly a bunch of articles about how, I don't know if anybody's making any damn money off of music anymore. Now, Spotify apparently had a better 2012 than they did, you know, previously. But as a company, they're still not making money. All these people are pitch, bitching and moaning because they're not making money off of the streaming services. You've got Pandora, which uh, recently bought a radio station so they could try to get better uh, rates because radio station rates are better than streaming rates. So they're trying yeah. to do an end run on that. Yeah. Um, you and and you've got apparently the the people who are just if you're making music. My question was to the panel. Can you, is there any money to be made in music anymore at all? Or do you have to do something else? Like, for example, we were talking about, you know, touring and merchandise. If I'm a band, I want to do that instead. And it seems to me the best people who are doing the streaming stuff, that's not their full time gig. So you've got Apple with their iTunes stuff, you know, so they can support themselves elsewhere. And you've got Amazon, of course, with their MP3s. Which isn't streaming, but I mean, it's MP3s. So yeah. they're, they're not trying to make money off of music. They're just trying to drive you to their site so they can sell you everything into the goddamn world. So, I mean, is there, is, is music as in itself being able to generate money? Is that just completely dead? Or are we still in some sort of transitional period where somebody's going to figure out some amazing thing and it's going to be solved? What do you guys think about this? Because I was reading these articles, and I honestly did not know the answer. Yes and no. Okay, good. Moving on. Yes. No, 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 no. <laughs> yes, we're in a transition period. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Um, because we're, we're still in that transition period to where we're shedding the idea of a label 
and what they do and moving into other revenue streams so that even if you have a label, you still protect yourself against the label taking the cut of what you make. Right. But I think all the money now is in the licensing um, because there's been more aggressive uh, moves by artists with ASCAP to collect money for licensing. But also just the sheer volume of songs that are in commercials now um, has really escalated. Uh, escalated, and um, I think that they make more money. I think if you're a band and you have your song in, you know, a Chrysler commercial, you triple your exposure. You don't pay for the. I mean, obviously, you just have the song in the video, so you don't have to pay for the video, the the ad. Somebody else is paying for the ad. You're just giving them the music to go on the ad. So that'll drive people towards some way of finding your music, and you sort of pick up the crumbs from that. And I also think that there's a lot more things where you go to a band site, and it's you can buy your digital bundle from our site, or you can buy your CD single or your vinyl from our site. But this idea of a digital bundle, I think, is sort of what's the new thing, because bands will offer exclusive uh, live tracks, B-sides, or remixes. It's really big in the electronic thing. Uh, a lot of DJs are doing it where they, they sell exclusive mixes. And I think that, and hip-hop to a certain extent is doing it as well. And I think that's where a lot of the money's coming from, is the people that create their own exclusive content, meaning they sort of took the Amanda Palmer, Palmer method of, you know, I'm taking everything I do and having control over it and adapting it to the system of a major label artist on a major label. So their contract probably stipulates you get this, 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 and this, but since if they do their own site and anything they get off that, they get to keep. I think that's where it's going. Mm. I still think there's money in soundtracks and TV. I mean, there's people fighting left and right to have their records put as background music on any CD, any of the CDs, uh, TV series, you know? I think that that's, I think that's where the money is. Because you get more bang for your buck, and you mean the obligatory uh, fifth act song for, that has the montage in front of it, in which all yeah. the characters look thoughtful. Or you know, when you're watching Arrow and they're in a bar and you hear Black Rebel Motorcycle Club in the back, you know. I mean, uh, and that's there's an example because that band marketed there was a Black Rebel Motorcycle song in like every TV show for a while. Every time you turned around, and now they're in a vodka commercial. And I yeah. bet you they make more money off that vodka commercial money than they do off their record. Oh, and what was the quote? And uh, CBGB, the film that's supposed to be coming out, the CBGB movie. Yeah. Um, isn't like, didn't they, I saw one of the producers made some sort of claim like they added like almost almost a large chunk of the film's entire budget went to paying for the soundtrack. Yeah. I yeah. don't believe it. Because that compensates for the money they're not getting from their labels. Yeah. You know, which is also why a, a lot of artists are putting out their own records. Um, you know, or their, or their band that's on like, your band, you're on like canine records, a small label, right? Then you're, you're on a, a, an indie label that's going to work your record. That's going to be, it's going to be artist friendly. So you're going to get a fair cut of what you're making, but that's also going to allow you to, make out other revenue streams for your, for your music because at the end of the day you making money makes their label make more money. Yeah. You're going to so there's more of a of a move to a smaller label thing, but there's also again a lot of artists and bands going directly to marketing companies. 
Yeah. And instead of labels, because then, okay, we pay you a flat rate. You work our record. So we give you $25,000. You've made the 25. It's banked. But then they're doing all the legwork to market your record for a certain, like three or four weeks, let's say, right? Your record yeah. comes out first two weeks out, they work their record. But you get sort of, and yeah, you spend that money and you get chart action, you get exposure, you get placement, but there is certain, a certain extent with that investment, a residual off of that. Meaning yeah. people will see back issues of magazines, they'll go online and see old stuff on websites. Uh, bands are making themselves much more available now to blogs. Um, and I think in addition to SoundCloud, you know, and Spotify and things like that, but I think bands being more available to be on blogs and websites, meaning they come, it's a way for them to communicate to their audience and sell more records and get more of the pie. They have to work. It's no longer considered beneath them. Yeah. And you're starting to see a lot more people gravitate towards that, you know, um, because Pitchfork in many ways sort of changed the game because now you're getting exclusive tracks. You know, a Pitchfork type of type of site. I'm not I'm not sure if Pitchfork does this, but a, a music site like that may pay a band saying, "Hey, we'll give you X amount of money for an exclusive track for our site," and that's another way they can do it. So I think even that, like the Onion AV Club project where they have people come in and do the covers. Yeah, and I think. You know, or the Rough Trade Record of the Month Club, where yeah. they give us, you know, I think that in general, there's not the gobs and gobs and gobs of money coming in, because I think we grew up in the 80s and 90s when the money just kept coming in, and it was like obscene. I still think there's money to be made off of it. It's more of an exception that you make it off the, off the record itself initially coming out in stores than it is you having to go outside the box and promote it and do it in different ways. That's kind well, of how I think it is. Well, it seems to be coming a lot more like the movie industry, where it's all about the first week. Yeah. And it seems to be going that way. Um, probably more this year than in previous years, because uh, particularly with stuff like the Jay-Z thing, and I think you're going to see more of that, actually, where artists who, you know, have, have taken ownership of their, you know, recordings... Like, Jay-Z can go make a deal with anybody at this point and, and release a record mm-hmm. anybody wants. But the way he chose to do it was he kept the tapes on Magna Carta Holy Grail himself, uh, went to Samsung, cut a deal with them, sold a million records before anything else happened, and then he went to a label and said, okay, how much you want to pay me for the license of it? I've already sold a million of them. Yeah. Um, which I find is interesting, and I think that's going to be the future. I think it's going to be... I think it's going to end up being, you know, you're going to make people are going to keep the tapes and, and Rob's right. It's just going to be licensing. Um, I do think the problem with, and I think we're still, I think the labels, I think the labels are still, and I think they can afford to particularly Sony now, uh, Sony and, and Universal, because those are the big two that we have left, essentially. Um, at the moment, they've grown because they've acquired the other, the other smaller companies. Um, when you get free of that growth, uh, is, is when you're going to see a problem. And they still haven't changed the model. And the model is, you know, we have to sell the album. 
we don't make anything off the the single sales because we had essentially they had essentially given the single sales to the to the artist if i'm not if i'm not mistaken a single sales had largely up until the digital age had gone to the artist and that was used to like fund you know the videos and everything because you had the singles market But um, I think now the model is just we're very close to the decaying end of the model. Um, and and that's just not going to hold. Um, and I think and I think that the labels had tried something to the effect of distribution that we have the edge on distribution. So we'll do it that way. Um, but the only problem is the credit crunch. 2008 ish, 2009 ish killed off all the indies that they were supposed to be making all this money distributing distributing off of. So, um, the only, I, I think to answer your question, which the only people making money off off music is, is Apple and Amazon. Um, because they're doing the same thing that Best Buy and, and Walmart always did, which was use music as a loss leader. Right. Which is why you can buy up, you know, 14 million Eagles records week of release because, you know, you're Walmart, and you can sell them for as as low as you want because somebody's going to come in and buy a toaster. Um, but but I think I I think I absolutely think that is Apple's business model. I've always thought that that was Apple's business model with iTunes. Well, which is why they've they've said no, it's going to be ninety nine cents, and fuck you. Yeah, um, because Apple can set the price because we also sell the hardware. Good luck getting someone else to do that. Right. Good good luck with creative. Check in with them, see how they're doing. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, I think Apple and I think Apple and Amazon are the ones that, you know, when all is said and done, are going to ha- hold the keys to this. Um, and I think even Spotify is testing and there are some there is a limited test in some countries in the UK where Spotify is testing selling music. Uh, through and I don't know through iTunes or through Amazon, but through a partner site, it's not them selling it themselves. Um, and I think for Spotify, I think that's probably going to be the way forward, uh, for them and probably for Rhapsody because that, that Best Buy money really, 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 really isn't going to last much longer. Well, uh, do you but, see, do you see like Spotify or Pandora just getting purchased outright by somebody else? Um, it wouldn't surprise me if a label takes a shot at it. Uh, and obviously it's going to be either Sony or Universal. Well, I, I, I would be interested to see it happen. Here's the thing, though. Mm. All of the labels have a finger in the Spotify pie. Right. Um, depending on how large that finger is, uh, it, 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 it's different. Um, uh, which kind of goes into a lot of the artists, um, the rumblings about the royalty rates from Spotify aren't being as good because basically the record labels have all bought in. So it's, Technically, still, even though it's a new paragon, uh, paragon, it's still the same companies trying to buy in to control the distribution and how it's handled. Um, so that's an interesting question. Obviously, the labels do not want to see Spotify go away. Uh, the labels don't own, I don't believe the labels own a bit of raps, uh, a bit of Pandora. I don't think um, they do. I don't think they do. So, um, I, I think that is part of Pandora's gripe. Uh, that is legitimate is that, uh, you know, it's not just, you know, we don't want, we want to pay, uh, the, you know, the, the lower fees. It's that it's basically, if you look at it, 
the record labels own pieces of uh, RDO and Rhapsody, and they all own a bit of Spotify. And Pandora's the only one they don't own any of, because uh, Last FM they own a part of as well with CBS. Um, so Pandora is, I think, and I may be wrong about this, but I think they are in completely independently owned. Hmm. Um, so I, I think Pandora may have a legitimate gripe with we're paying more because we're not in the back pocket of the labels, um, which, which they may have a point about. Um, but, but that'll be interesting to watch as well. But I think, I would think a label's going to take some sort of bypass at Pandora at some point in the near future, probably either Universal or Sony when the growth in the music sector dries up to the point there, they have to prove that there's new growth and that they will go out and buy Pandora to show, oh yes, there is growth and this is how we're doing it. Hmm. I, I think you will see that. I think somebody at least will take a pass at trying to buy a, try, trying to buy Pandora much in the same way that, um, you had a bit of a bidding frenzy when, uh, when, when Hulu threw itself up for sale for a little while and threw it, threw it back out um, just to, you know, test the waters and see who would, who would bite. So, you know, you might see that as well. Hmm. Well, the other thing I thought was interesting was the, uh, the article I, I sent over a link to it about the guy saying that um, the way to absolutely destroy all the streamers uh, is if Apple were to offer up high def streaming. Yeah. Which is weird for me because I, apparently I am, probably because I was in a rock band for three years and can barely hear now, but I honestly cannot tell the difference between once you get up to like 128 KB, anything beyond that to me, I just can't, I can't tell the difference. So the idea of 320 KB audio files to me, I, I would have to stream them because that would kill my hard drive. <laughs> but I mean, it'll so, kill your bandwidth. Well, I kill my, well, I kill my bandwidth as well, but I mean, so, so, but they were talking about if they had some way of delivering high def files in a way that wouldn't kill your bandwidth. I mean, you, can you see somebody basically creating some sort of killer app that would knock everybody else out or at least make things a lot more interesting than they are? Cause I'd honestly forgotten all those other services existed that, yeah. you, were, that you were listing. Cause I don't I, know I, anyone who uses them other than Spotify and Pandora. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to come from Amazon or Apple because they have hardware to sell and they can, they can, they can, you know, roll that back in that we have the format that isn't going to kill your bandwidth. And so I, I think it's probably going to be Amazon or, or Apple that come up with it. Now, now that or, you mention or, it. Or, or Sony or Sony mm. that, that will do it. Well, now that you mention it, the, the one that seems to me would be best poised to do it would be Amazon. And the reason I say that is because whereas Apple is like, well, here's, we have our hardware and you need our stuff on our hardware to make it good. Yeah. Where, whereas iTunes pretty much, I understand iTunes everywhere else, but on Apple sucks. Um, yeah. But Amazon, right. it's, well, I, what can you do? Um, but Amazon has made it a point of making Kindle as a software package available on every goddamn thing. I think it's available on an Etch-a-Sketch, even. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. So they are very interested in, we don't care how you get here, just come here and spend money, which I think is smart. So if you were going to roll out some sort of streaming thing beyond just, hey, we're selling MP3s, 
yeah. I, I would be fascinated because they've got to have something in the works. I mean, they're Amazon for God's sake. I, I think ever I think I think both Apple and I think Amazon have something in the works. And remember, Apple has bought up a lot of companies that were this close to launching streaming services. Hmm. Right. They've been stockpiling for a couple of years. Uh, a couple of small firms that were developing audio technologies that were meant to cut down bandwidth. Hmm. Uh, so Apple has been playing with this for a while, and Apple Radio, which is what they're going to launch, I believe, is it is it with iOS in conjunction with iOS seven? I don't know, honestly. I yeah. know, it, I know it's coming, yeah, I, but I, I think it's tied to iOS seven and the iTunes update. I think they're all tied together. Um, but I know that Apple Radio, which is going to be, I think it's going to be free. But then if you if you already have uh, if you pay for the iTunes and the cloud thing, you get it without ads, um, which will which will be this fall. So I think it, I think it's coinciding with the uh, software updates. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, Apple's had Apple's been buying up some some streaming technologies and companies that were working on streaming technologies, they've had them in their back pocket for some time. Um, not to say Amazon's probably been doing it too, but they're, they're, uh, they're, they're probably less secretive about the companies they buy up, but I haven't heard of any audio companies that Amazon's bought up. So unless they're working on something in house, I don't know what Apple, Amazon's got, but I know Amazon's bought at least two or three streaming companies over the last, two or three years getting ready for this. So, well, well, here's the other thing I think that's interesting. And I think we've talked about this on justice when it comes to streaming, like video. Yeah. And, and and why Blu-ray is not going away anytime soon. A, because most streaming doesn't give you any special features. And two, because of bandwidth caps. So, you know, my, my take on it is, you know, the whole streaming rollout of, oh, nobody's going to have to own CDs anymore is probably the same thing. You're, you, you have to be aware of the fact that unless you have unlimited on your smartphone or on your cable modem or whatever else, unless you have unlimited yeah. bandwidth, you will fuck yourself in a heartbeat. Yeah. And I, I, my, I, I would love to know what the percentage is of people who have unlimited plans versus those who don't. I mean, I've, like, for example, on my iPhone, I'm grandfathered in with my unlimited bandwidth. Yeah. I have made it a point of not changing my plan, so I will not get that, you know, taken away from me. Well, I think mobile gets a bit sticky, although you're now you're start, we're starting to come back to uh, the cars that will have Wi-Fi capability to them. Oh, yeah. That you can get, like, Wi-Fi oh, yeah. in your car, and... Pandora has been making a very hard push to get into cars. Uh, I know they've got to deal with Kia. I know they've got to deal with Ford um, to, 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 to be on that desktop. Um, Apple's got to deal with Mercedes, I think. Uh, it's either Mercedes or VW. Um, but uh, Apple's got some deals with some manufacturers for, for that. Uh, so yeah, a lot of these companies are trying to kind of get FaceTime on top of cars because when Wi-Fi availability goes to cars, then it's going to then the bandwidth problem is going to become less. Uh, and that's definitely a plus for Pandora to get in. It's it's a priority for Pandora to get in uh, before before Apple gets a foothold because 
uh, again, the record companies have a piece of iTunes as well, and Pandora doesn't. Well, if we assume that that when you get the uh, Wi-Fi in your car, yeah, that, that you don't have a bandwidth cap. Yeah, that is yeah. true. Because I think most pro- the problem is the infrastructure is such shit that yeah. they have to put bandwidth caps in, otherwise they get screwed. Because I mean, you know, we don't have like you know Japan. You could get like. 30 meg up and down and all this crazy shit because they have the infrastructure. Yes, but they have you, Jack, when fighting on top of bullet trains. So, you know. Well, I know, I know. And if we only things we had that, that we here. don't have. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, but, but no, th- so, so there's that. Um, I also thought it amusing. One of the articles that I'd sent over talking about all these musicians that want to pull their stuff off to Spotify or the indie labels that said, Hey, if they wanted to, we would. Um, but I like the guy who pointed out, well, that would be sort of silly since we post stuff on SoundCloud and pay for that bandwidth. <laughs> so why wouldn't we have it on Spotify and get paid for it? Yeah. And, and here's the other thing. And, 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 and this is going back to when, uh, when, uh, Tom York and, uh, Nigel Geidrich took, uh, took all their music off, off Spotify. Which, by the way, uh, I missed. I still miss. I actually had forgotten that happened because I don't. I didn't care, but anyway, go ahead. But um, but I I I thought it was interesting that they did it because they didn't have to, and they made a point of saying, "Oh well, you know, it's not really going to bother us one way or another because they really weren't paying a shit anyway." But it's not like we needed Spotify's money. But for the artists who do, and then I kind of thought about it, and I went, "Who in the hell makes money off Spotify off streaming by itself?" Yeah. What what band does that? What what band is what band is the only thing they do is release music and sit around and have it go to streaming services they don't play live they don't tour they don't go anywhere i i can think of very few bands that actually do that maybe electronica ones up there well maybe electronica ones with be djs but here's the problem uh especially especially you know some of these when you start getting to even some of the commercial dj releases there are samples these guys aren't paying for mm yeah. So it's not like, so it's not like, you know, there, there's a lot of, you know, because you're, you're screwing around with Pro Tools in your house. There's no production cost involved with that. Um, but, but I, I'm, I'm just, just out of curiosity, I was trying to think of what bands sit at home are studio only. They don't go out and play live and they would absolutely, absolutely have to have streaming. To continue, and I couldn't think of one. Because even DJs get work, even DJs play gigs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I was trying to think, well, who out there? Because if, if Nigel, uh, if Godridge and, and York are making the point of, well, artists depend on, you know, there are some artists that depend on streaming only for their entire income, and I'm like, who is that? Because every band I know right now is is either touring. Or making some sort of appearance or licensing something. I mean, minor threat is licensing t-shirts to urban outfitters. Who knew? But, you know, even stuff like that, it's, I can't think of a single band that, that, that derives their entire income from streaming. Well, and my- I, I can't think of one. And, and, and that's, that kind of goes to the point is that streaming is not the only income and Here's the thing. If you ask, and I'm trying to be, I see it for both sides, but if you ask us, if you ask somebody, how much do you, 
think you should be paid. You know, (laughs) the immediate answer is going to be, you know, it's going to be more than, than, than what the market will allow. Yeah. To put that politely. Because, you know, if you come to, to somebody and say, well, how much do you think you should be paid? That's basically what this, what the question is. And I haven't seen anybody come up with a reasonable argument of, okay, what's reasonable? Well, and, and my question is also this. <clears throat> if you are getting the exposure on Spotify, if people are finding your music and listening to it, what, what, how was that happening before that you were getting paid that now you're not getting paid? Apart, exactly. Apart from, you know, those people who will not buy your album and just play it over and over and over again on Spotify. Yeah. But I don't think that's that many people. I don't think anyway, because, because I don't think I don't think the music blogs are playing to expose are paying to expose you. No, no, no. But you know what I'm saying? I'm like, well, what what are you giving up? You you say you're not making money, but what money are you losing? And can, and can anyone point me at that number where that exists? Or is it like toughly you were saying you just think you should be paid something and you're not. So therefore, you want to take your toys and go home when all you're really doing is, like I said, I had forgotten your music wasn't on there. It's not like I went, oh, there's a huge hole in the Spotify library because you took your toys and went away. No, I'll just go listen to the other six million songs on Spotify and you can go fuck yourself, you know? But anyway, that's just me. Um, now, the other thing I thought was interesting was when I was looking around at who makes money off of music was this, this uh, company that I sent you guys the link about they're called Next Big Sound, and they were referred to as sort of the money ball of the music industry. Moneyball, of course, that movie in which they were using statistical and data analysis to decide how to stack a baseball team. Well, this company apparently... Is that also the movie where you can believe that Jonah Hill can act? Yes. Actually, oh, okay. frighteningly, Jonah Hill can act. That's um, what I'm saying. That's I know. What I'm saying. I know. I mean, who knew? I mean, you, know. you who knew that Jonah Hill would be like, you know... Uh, co-starring with Leonardo DiCaprio in a Scorsese film. Go yeah. figure. So things we've learned in this episode. Yes, I know. Go ahead. I've, if we only had the soundboard here, we, the, the other soundboard, <laughs> we, could, we could play the, the more you know. Um, no. So what they do is they crunch all this data that's coming through about who's getting played here, you know, YouTube and social media and probably the streaming services and whatever else. So they can go to, you know, people who are trying to book musicians and people are trying to say, well, who's the next big thing? And they're like, well, we can sort of tell you who's about to blow up. So, so you, you mean can... it's kind of like clout for bands, <laughs> except less less bothersome. Yes. Hopefully. Yeah. It would have to be less bothersome. I hate clout. Um, yes, clout. I just called you fucking annoying. Thank you, you all again. fucking annoying. Like, you know, oh, anyway. So, but I mean, so my question was looking at this and going, Part of the thing that, that I thought should have happened when it comes to, uh, you know, this ability to access media and data and whatnot through the internet is yeah. we should be able to know who's doing what, when, and why, that sort of thing. But I don't know that that's been taken advantage of to the full extent that it should have been. Like, for example... We've been talking about it for years. I know. Like the, the front page of Amazon and iTunes. Yeah. It's free. Yeah. yeah. Well, you don't have to pay somebody. It's free. Well, well, not even just that, but beyond even that, but just 
but like, you know, the television industry just now trying to get on board with the fact that, hey, maybe we should count DVR views of our shows yeah. towards what, you know, what was it just last year that, wasn't it just last year or was it the year before where digital sales started counting towards yeah. music charts? Two years ago. Yeah. I, I, I think Billboard alter it, it had always counted as part of SoundScan, but they mm. had altered the rules where the digital sales had more of an impact on sales so, so on no, the total figures. So knowing that we're so far behind in the technological curve of actually using the data that we have, no, we, I mean, humanity, in this case, the music industry, is something like Next Big Sound, does that make sense in that maybe the information to make money is there, but nobody's been collating it and trying to present it in a way that it can make sense to anybody. I mean, is this does this make sense to either one of you guys as far as... Yeah, it does. Yeah, okay. Well, I think... And here's the other thing. Here's the problem, though, with stuff like that. If, yeah. this, if the labels have to go to somebody and pay them to get the information, how much better is that than the years of paying re- labels paying Billboard? How is that? How is that any better? Because the labels here's my point is the tools are there, mm-hmm. are there can be had, are there to be had for right. free. Yeah. And s- smart people in labels can go and do that without handing these guys percentage points off a record. You know what I mean? Well, but yeah. the, the so, other question so is, how is that any different? How is that any different? Because, you know, Billboard's been in the labels back pocket for years. Right. So how is that any different? It's well, just it's just different rules. Well, what what I thought was interesting was if you actually go to the uh to their site, Next Big Sound, they have what they they have some of their charts up there for free. I mean, you can just yeah. look at them. Um, but you can get custom charts if you want to pay for them. So my question is, and this is what I would be curious about, is how much does it cost? Because you know there is hiring somebody to. Okay, well, here you go. I can tell you how much it costs. Um, if I want to find out, uh, you know, graphs and reports and tracks and demo and geographic data and sources and all this stuff for three yeah. artists, it's $49 a month. If I'm 10 artists, that's $99 a month. Uh, and five artists is $59 a month. So my question is, you can, you're absolutely right, Tuffley. You can, you can have a label. And basically figure out your own tools and pay somebody to do it in house. Or, I mean, how much, how much would that cost versus, okay, here's 99 bucks a month next big sound. Give me everything I need to know. Well, what you do is you go out and, you know, you find a couple of people who are really good at the ESPN fantasy football stuff, the statistic junkies. Huh. You go, cause that's all, this is what this all comes out of. Oh, yeah. This all comes out of all of those people who watch Sports Center at eleven o'clock at night and try to figure out the stats. Um, God bless you, because it's not me. But um, but you know, you find some of those people, and labels go and hire those people and go, okay, you guys start tracking this stuff like you would track, you know, a wide receiver's stats, and you come back with us and you give us that information. Oh, I know, but but I'm saying if no, you know, having having been like a manager in a corporation before. I, I can't imagine that, let's say that you need, I mean, how many, I don't know how many are, if I'm a small label, let's say, let's say I'm not even a big label, if I'm not even Sony, but I'm a smaller label, for 200 bucks a month, I don't know that I could hire somebody for 200 bucks a month 
to give me all the data for 20 artists. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now you could hot, you could, you could, yes, you could hire somebody to create the tools for you and pull the data for you automatically and then make it as part of someone's job to go and grab that data and crunch it for you. And maybe that's part of it. But I'm just, I'm wondering if maybe this is, it's so cheap now that maybe something like next big sound is the answer because un- unless you have just gobs and gobs of artists, why wouldn't you just pay somebody a, t- you know, a pittance for a corporation? Yeah. To just say, give me all this shit so I don't have to worry about it. And then again, what you're looking at is the other thing that you're looking at is that the bigger labels do, did have these people doing it. And it's all going outsourcing because outsourcing, if they can find somebody to do it cheaper, they will. Yeah. And they don't need the the mechanism indoors. Well, that's just it. I mean, these days it is, it is a mechanism now. I mean, it, it, you, you can't tell me that Next Big Sound doesn't have all this stuff pretty much automated, you know? Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't? So it's not like, uh, you know, before where you'd have to have a contractor who is basically, that's all he did 40 days, uh, 40 hours a week was work spreadsheets. Or, 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 or next big whatever, uh, it takes, it, it takes care of the feeding and handling of the ESPN stat junkies and, you know, we just don't ask. <laughs> that's what tough, there you go. There, there's a business to get into. It's basically a next big, we, we will, we will, are you a, are you a data junkie for ESPN, but you just don't know the math? We'll crunch it for you. <laughs> Show up at work on Monday morning and talk like you're a fucking genius with well, our new weekly bu- bulletin. Well, we'll, we'll take care of the feeding and handling of the stat junkies. You don't even have to know where we keep them or what we do with them. That's fine. <laughs> oh my God. You know, you know, remember the Crazy Eddie's commercials where it's the banks yes. of TVs, it's like the, the, the rows of people in dust. Don't worry about how they get taken care of. We handle that. That's our problem. And, and toughly what I'm envisioning are, <laughs> are the rage monkeys from the beginning of 28 Days Later. Yeah, yeah. Strapped in with a skull cap, <laughs> watching all the screens with horrible music videos playing across them. And, and shit that, the, uh, Videos they shot of Johnny Marr on their phone. <laughs> Bringing it back around. Nice. So, but, so, I mean, I guess, I guess this, this particular state of the music industry thing is that I think we're saying there, there's probably a bit of money to be made, but not as much as there is with the peripheral stuff right now. And the smart people are the ones who are going out and mining other areas yeah. to stay alive. Yeah. And, yep. you know, and, and, and like I said, I was reading a couple of books about the MTV era and where the money was just, what, what Rob was talking about, just ridiculous and obscene. And a lot of that was because, you know, there was the thing about MTV and, and we go on the anniversary. The thing about MTV was that it was a national radio station. Yep. You know, it was like, it wasn't like everybody had iPods and everybody had like 14 different genres and choices. What you got on MTV was basically your picture of what it all looked like. Whether or not that was true in the case of the early 80s and, uh, and, and black, black music on MTV or, you know, whatever, you know, if Journey, if Journey looked big and got a lot of rotation on MTV, damn it, Journey was what you played at the local level, you know? Um, so there was one choice there was there were very few outlets and and that's what sold and that's why things sold because you know repetition 
Um, you don't have that now. You have niches and genres and, and everyone with their iPods and no one, there is no just three sources of who people get their music from, which is why it's harder to sell stuff because the audience is fragmented. So you don't have an in mass hit. Even, even, even the in mass hits come from stuff like Jay Z that's, you know, licensed and you had to get it in an app and you had to buy the phone first, you know? So it's, it's very interesting. It's a very interesting landscape, uh, because mass hits are going to be, are becoming increasingly harder to get. And, you know, it, especially it comes to the point of going big or going home. Mm. Um, and I think it's, you know, and we've been talking about this for years. It's about being smaller. Yeah. Uh, if you're, if you're fine with being a regional act, if you're okay with being a regional act or being an act that, that, that is popular on the internet, but you know, whatever, yeah, like, okay, go, that's fine. Um, if your ambition is to be, you know, rule the world, well, there's your problem. Yeah. What a very Buddhist I, ideal. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I think it's really true. It's, it's, you know, we're, we're not, you, there are regional bands now that can be moderate successes and never have huge platinum hits. Mm-hmm. And we're in that environment now. And I think where, where things become to be, begin to be a problem is when bands try to become bigger than their reach or try to become larger, like nationally known or things like that. That's when you have to deal with record labels. That's when you have to deal with. Spotify. That's when you have to deal with things like that. Um, so, you know, if you're okay with being a regional band or if you're okay with being, you know, well known in your own country, that's fine. And I think we're in the climate now where bands can sort of take charge of their own future and do that and be profitable and make money. Um, but I think when you're trying to go bigger than that, I think that's where in scale, I think that's your problem. The problem is scale. Well, there yeah. you have it. And again, uh, Tuffley's rates are very reasonable, music industry, and you can contact him through the website. Although, I would just <laughs> like to state for the record that, that Samsung could come out and basically say, hey, we have a completely unreleased Pink Floyd album from the classic era of Pink Floyd that we've discovered, and we're going to release it exclusively for people who buy our phones. I would say, wow. And Roger Waters went back and recorded all of his vocals. <laughs> I would say, wow. That's <laughs> nice for you. I I hope it works out for you. We gave Roger Waters and David Gilmore a ton of money to be in the same room together for two hours. And, and we, they loved it. And we found a bunch of uh of you know tracks from the from the late great Richard Wright, and they laid down tracks on top of that. And Mason even came back. It was fantastic. And Jeff Lynn produced it. It was wonderful. I was in, I'd be like, you know, that sounds great. <laughs> I still ain't buying your fucking phone. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Be like, be like, oh, well, we've just, we found this amazing super group that's got like, you know, A.R. Rahman, the, the Bollywood producer with Les Claypool and, and Tom Waits and, and and Ben Folds plays keyboards on it. And it's, oh my God, it's amazing! And you've got you've got uh, oh they've got an entire oh the Brodsky Quartet is there with strings and and the Tower of Power horn section. And I would be like, oh that's great, that sounds great. I still ain't buying your fucking phone. 
you know what? In that case, I will bootleg your album. Sorry. No, here's what you do. What you do is you buy the phone. Yeah. Hang on. Stay with me. Uh, buy the phone. Yeah. Get the app. Yeah. Figure out how to convert the music you've been given to another format off the phone. Yeah. And then root the fucking phone. <laughs> Dude, you... Uh, okay, just 30 seconds or less before we get off on this. <laughs> but, Tuffley, just so you know, I tried to root the phone after I had to load three drivers in succession successfully to even access the phone through my USB port, I gave up. That, wow. That's how you That's how you make a phone root-proof, is you make it too fucking difficult to even plug it up to your computer. So let's see, who's not sponsoring the soundboard in the near future? Well, there's Clout. We've pissed them off. Oh, uh, I don't, uh, you know what? If did we piss Sony off? I think we did. Um, we will at some Sony. point. I'm just saying Samsung, at this Samsung. point, at this point, if their name was on this podcast... People would stay away from it in droves because they would just be waiting for it to explode. More so than normal. Yeah. Although, technically, we have come out with a new episode faster than it takes them to update a phone. So we're, we're oh, winning. Oh, oh, oh. We're winning. And, so and, there you go. And listen, if you don't like the regular podcast, you can root this podcast. Yes, you can root yes. this. And just, just pretend Kim and Rox are on it. It's fine. <laughs> we don't care. <laughs> Solved all the uh, the music industry's problems. It's what did they do without us? I know. What did they do without us for two months? I know. Uh, right. I I think yeah, they probably did. I uh, I think it's just about time to uh, uh, to bring this episode of the soundboard to a close. Um, and uh, until until next time, which probably I don't know if if if, if next time Will that we'll be Dragon Con? this might be the Dragon Con panels that we do. You'll be you'll be hearing us coming live with even worse sound quality than we currently have, um, but we'll be there. It'll be it'll be like somebody filmed us on their phone. <laughs> Although if it makes you feel if it makes you more comfortable with hearing us talk, you could pretend there's a wall in front of us. Yes, yes, like like we're we're on uh, we're at the very end of uh, side one of the wall live. Ooh, or we could oh, or we could turn the chairs around like the voice. <laughs> Oh God! Oh man! Wow! <laughs> no, I'll turn around, but I'll run and hide. I know. Oh, it's time for the next prisoner panel. Let's turn the chairs around. Oh, oh my God! <clears throat> All right. Well, on and on that note, so to speak, I think we'll bring this episode of the Soundboard to a close. Uh, as always, uh, thanks for listening. If you have stuff uh, that you want to purchase, um. From uh, If you're going to buy stuff from Amazon anyway, of course, you can do so through the site, which helps us pay for things like this podcast. Go to needcoffee.com slash Amazon, and uh, you'll wind up on the front page. But the only thing different is that whatever you buy, we get kickbacks for, for which we thank you. And it doesn't matter if it's an MP3, 99-cent MP3, or, uh, you know, a full-on DVD player, whatever it is. We'll or take a Samsung it. Tab. Or a Sam- if you're going to, if you, if you want to be masochistic and buy a Samsung product... At least do it through Amazon so something good will come out of it. Because your enjoyment will not be coming out of it. I'm just saying. But, so so there's that. 
And of course, if uh, if there's anything that you want to bring to our attention from a musical standpoint, you can hit us at soundboard at eCoffee.com uh, and send us stuff that way, and uh, and we will kick it around. So uh, so there you have it. So on behalf of uh, Rob Tuffley and myself, thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next time on the Soundboard. Bye.